Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is May the 3rd, 2022. First episode, a new episode anyway, in May. I left you guys with a rewind yesterday and a couple of days last week because I was down at Float Fest. We're not quite back to our regularly scheduled programming just yet, though we kind of are because this is now a regular thing that you're going to hear today. You're about to hear the Tuesday Fireside Chat. I will be part of it. It was done live on YouTube, uh, and it is now on other platforms as well. But this is with me, John Willis of SOE Tactical Gear, and Nicole Sauce of the Expert Council, and Living Free in Tennessee, and Holler Roast Coffee. Uh, this is where we just kind of talk about everything that's going on. We answer a lot of user questions and things like that. Uh, this went about two hours and five minutes. It was a great discussion, as always. And with that, let's drop on into the live feed. And uh, if you want to catch the video version of this, of course, you can uh, find links to that, etc., in today's show notes. Again, this is episode uh, episode 3085 of the Survival Podcast. So anything that you want to find uh, related to this episode, you just go to the survivalpodcast.com or tspc.co, which will redirect you there and let you type in less initials. And uh, look up episode 3085. With that, we'll drop on into the live feed. All right, everybody. Welcome to our first Tuesday chat. I am coming to you from John Willis's. <laughs> which is, I won't do that but one time during this thing. It's way too confusing. Anyway, today we got Jack Spearco, fresh from Floatfest. How was it, Jack? It was great. It was great. I'm tired, but it was great. You're tired. Why do you do these things? They wear you out. Because then you get to go meet real people in the real world instead of just knowing people by screen names. Ah, and some of those people are actually pretty freaking cool, you know? Yeah. Okay. John Willis is here. You were at my event, John. What do you think? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's definitely progressed. That's from especially, I think I saw it last year was the first time I saw it. This year, I actually spoke this year. Um, super cool. I, I was surprised how many people you actually got on the property there. How, how it just worked really well. I have the best parking Nazi. It's I was going to say, that. where the hell do you park everybody? I parked everybody. Everywhere. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Nighthawk, I swear, he spends all year like, I think I can fit a sedan in this spot. And he does. He has, he has a mental inventory of everything. Hey, guys, on the live stream, if you have something you want us to see, do me a favor. All caps for at least the first three words, and we'll see if we can integrate this in. So, so Jack, talk to me about cryptocurrency. You sent me this wild text in the middle of my event okay. about cryptocurrency, and you were telling me to do this whole Bitcoin copy. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, man, I want a Bitcoin blend. So big news last year was El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Last week was a huge week for Bitcoin. All kinds of stuff happened. Uh, Fidelity announced they're adding Bitcoin to Fidelity IRAs, which is, like, massive. And then uh, Skybridge Capital, who's, which is run by uh, uh, Mary, whatever the guy's name, and he used to work for freaking Scaramucci. He used to work for Trump. They were like, well, we, us too, right? And then we had two countries go Bitcoin. Central African Republic, 
uh, adopted as legal tender. And then Panama did, which I think is even better. It's like, we're not going to say it's legal tender, but we're going to make it essentially legal tender voluntarily. So they basically adopted Bitcoin to where you can use it and pay no capital gains. It just kills all the spending issues. You take it, you spend it, you hold it, you use it. It's money in Panama. So now we have three countries that are Bitcoin native countries. Call it that, I guess, you know, adopted Bitcoin. So I think, you know, anybody in the custom coffee business right now, especially somebody awesome that runs something like Holler Roast Coffee, should get some beans from Central African Republic, El Salvador, and Panama, roast each one of those beans at like a medium, a dark, and like a light roast, and do a Bitcoin blend, you know? And, and then, then maybe, you know, maybe you get a dollar off if you pay with big, maybe you get a dollar off if you pay with Bitcoin. You pay the retail price if you pay with, um, with dollars, but then you have to pay a dollar extra if you use a shit coin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is this a good time to buy crypto with all the markets back, Jack? What say you? Yeah. I think it's a good time to buy crypto all the time. I've been talking to people about, you know, dollar cost average strategies for a long time. And I had a guy today when I said something about right now, all the big wigs are scooping crypto up. And you, the thing about, or Bitcoin really, right? So the thing about Bitcoin being a public ledger, you can see what's happening. You can audit the entire blockchain every 10 minutes, what happened in the last 10 minutes. And there's massive buys and they're going straight off exchange into cold storage, right? So these aren't retail buyers. Retail buyers don't buy $2 million worth of Bitcoin in one go and move it to a single cold storage address. That's, That's not how that works, right? So I, I think we're starting to see an accumulation phase, and there's enough shitty news economically. I mean, think about all the good news I just gave you about Bitcoin last week, and there's more. And yet it's down, but it really is flat. Bitcoin's not down over, like, the last three months. It's pretty much just kind of chugging yeah. along. Yeah. The S&P, the NASDAQ, Netflix, right? I haven't looked at Lockheed stock. Lockheed stock's probably taken a pretty big hit. I don't know if you heard about that. Um, somebody at Lockheed's in trouble because they wrote a bad contract bid to the government. You know how, like, the cost of all our shit went up? Well, it turns out it went up for Lockheed, too, and they don't have an adjustment clause in their contract on their oh, jet. No. They're fucked by, like, billions of dollars, like, into the future. Like, the jet will cost more to build than they get for it now. Yeah. Wham. What if they can break the contract? So there's a bad of, there's a whole so much bad of, bad news, right? And you got Bitcoin just kind of chugging along sideways. So a whiff of good news or the right bad news, and I think we'll go into a, an upward phase again. So yeah, when I was talking to the guy about DCA, what, I, what he said was, I just DCA every week anyway. But when it drops like this, I try to find a little bit more and buy a little bit more. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about when I say buy the dip, right? You've got major cities paying employees right now in Bitcoin also. You can, yep. you can still receive, you know, part cash, part Bitcoin or yeah. all Bitcoin. You have like, I think Chicago's doing it, Los Angeles, you know, big, big, big cities. Fort Worth is mining. Fort Worth became the first city in the United States to officially mine Bitcoin last week. As I said, last week was like all the shit that happened last week in Bitcoin, if you told somebody three years ago that one of them would happen, they would have said you're fucking nuts, right? And, like, there's, there's like, a couple other that are scrambled in my brain somewhere since float. So I'm hearing chicks. Am I wrong? No, there's there's about 100 of them well, right over there. What do you got there. going on here? Bard Rock and, Bard Rock and Brahmas. <laughs> I got a lot of Bard Rocks and Brahmas. Cool. 
just in case of all the, the silliness with all the bird stuff. I've got birds inside unexposed, and we've got another 100 birds up top uh, still in a trough unexposed. So they're completely separated. So those will go out back into a, a tractor system because yeah. we're building the dirt back up out back, and those will be completely uh, they'll be completely enclosed, so they won't have any access. Whereas the other 200 birds out there, big birds right now, they travel wherever they want to travel. So are you looking to cross those? Or? No, I bought I bought all brand new barred rocks and roosters and everything because we're going to breed them and keep them, you know, just straight barred rock, mm-hmm. straight brahma. And then I've got a hundred uh, Cornish cross that should ship this week, next week, sometime. Yeah, we've got 40 Cornish cross. In theory, coming in Friday, Thursday or Friday, they're supposed mm-hmm. to ship tomorrow. And until they ship, I'm not going to launch the poultry processing class because I want to make sure I have the birds. But. Well, I've got I got five backups for you that are definitely shipping okay. if you need them. Cool, cool. I think you I'm should like break out a small test group and at least do a few crosses and just compare the growth rate of the chicks, dude. Yeah. You can do it anytime yeah. you want, but you know, yeah. like I would do it at some point. We're bringing in a a big cabinet. Um, yeah. Incubator, and then oh, Cody, cool. are you going to start shipping chicks? No, uh, maybe to you, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. I don't. I'm terrible about dealing with people. Like around here, people sell a dozen eggs for a dollar. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah, I understand. Dollar dozen, <laughs> if, and you'll laugh the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like my dogs love eggs. We'll just feed them to them. Now we're yeah. going to get some heritage breeds and, and cross them and make our own meat birds, Jack. After I was listening to you talk about that. But I don't have the infrastructure for that. And so I decided just to do meat birds now with the goal of having my infrastructure by fall for that. Cool. Because what I don't want is no infrastructure. The raw, You know how that goes. Yeah, I do. I've got yeah, it a million I agree. <laughs> So we just brought in, I just bought the first aluminum chicken tractor. And I know Salatin loves his, you know, low to the ground thing. I want mine to look Badass, right? And it does. Yeah. It's all TIG welded aluminum, one by two uh, steel tubing. It's got a rollout nest boxes on the back. It's got giant uh, rigid wheels like uh, the off-road Bob strollers have. So they should ship. That thing should show up here next week, and it's ten by twelve. So we'll put fifty, sixty birds in there, move them twice a day, and we're doing it as much to build the grass as we are to feed, you know, the birds. So those those will be meat birds in there. Okay, cool. Very cool. And I just want the meat birds to feed me and the holler neighbors and whoever. So, is what it is. I've got gooses, baby gooses now. I have two. And you, you ever heard them? You know, everybody hears the mama goose thing, but before until you really see it, we have ducks yeah. that just hatched out a bunch of babies. And man, those geese are always between you and those baby ducks. Man, they think those are their ducks. Yeah. Yeah, mine are still babies. We have them in like a pseudo goose tractor. I just have a 25 foot piece of ghost fence, ghost wow. fence, goat fence. And I made a ring out of it. So it contours and moves yep. and I just drag it in between all the trees and stuff. And then I move them around and they'll be big enough to go with the ducks probably in another two weeks. The biggest ones are now, but the people we got them from, they had a male die. So I have like three that are pretty good size now. No feathers yet, but pretty good size and one little baby one. So I don't want the baby one to get picked on by the, the ducks. So. What are you doing to keep them from being mean gooses? Uh, we go out and play with them every day. We handhold them and stuff. And it's we at night, I don't trust that goose tractor thing because it has no roof. So they go yeah. in one of my big quail tractors for the night. And, like, they've already gotten to where, like, when you pick one up, 
and you start walking to put them away in the cage, the other three follow you. So, yeah. And they're pilgrims, so pilgrims are pretty freaking chill anyway. Okay. And they live Those in the ones the girls look like Toulouse, and the males are snow white. They look like a swan almost. They're, they're awesome. And you get 18 to 20 years out of those things, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And you yep. get eggs almost the whole lifetime because they don't give you that many per year. So just like all most waterfowl, they start with 1,500 ovum. So if you get 60 a year for 10 years, you're only at 600. I don't know that I've ever seen a goose egg. Maybe I have two male geese. I don't know. I hear um, you can put them out with, with pastured poultry, and they'll kind of guard against small stuff. But if you've got two geese, they want to do goose stuff, right? They don't care yes. about protecting. But if it's a single, they'll they'll kind of mother goose them. I've seen – I've had, like, you know, six of them, and they get along with the ducks great. And they – I don't know that they have to, like, see the ducks as something to defend. They hate everything that's bad anyway. So as long as they're in the same place, they're going to end up defense by proxy. But where they turn kind of dickish is when they do have eggs. Like, I had a female goose one time. She had some eggs. And I'm standing out drinking a coffee in my hole, right outside of my holding area. And all of a sudden I hear this commotion and this goose comes out and it's got a chicken by the wing <laughs> and it's like wing beating the living shit out of it. And I dumped my coffee to try to, cause I thought it was going to kill it and it wouldn't. I freaking threw the coffee cup and hit it in the back and it finally let go of it. And that was just defending the nest. So then we built like goose nest boxes out of like three hay bales. So you put two on the ground and one on the top, so they had their little space. And we put that away from the chickens, and the stupid freaking chickens were, like, constantly, like, I wonder what's in there. It's like, dude, you're going to get your ass beat again, man. Like, <laughs> chickens don't learn. Like, ducks learn, geese learn, muscovies learn. Freaking chickens don't learn shit, man. It's like, hey, I got my ass kicked in there yesterday. I wonder if that's going to happen again. Let's <laughs> try. Let's see what happens. They're the most American bird in the world, man. Goldfish memory. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got a question here about a chicken plucker, and I madly texted the tactical redneck at my house. Uh, this is one that I like. This would not be the only one. It's a commercial grade plucker, right? Farm Products Pro Plucker does four chickens at a time, or it can do two turkeys, but not when I grow turkeys. One turkey at a time, and that thing is awesome. There are other. I've done a homemade barrel plucker too. It was good. You got to be careful that you don't. You get a motor that can handle it because what happened with my plucker is if the chicken is more than about nine pounds, then it it can make it reset for 24 hours because it overheats the motor, which is makes me sad. But I the pro plucker is fan flipping fantastic. John saw it in action on the turkeys. So I can also tell you the first time we did it, we had 75 birds to do, and scurrying around, we got the tractor supply chicken plucker. It's right out back. And then when all the stuff started, we did a lot more birds, and we got the Featherman whole setup, right? I've got about $4,500 worth of chicken processing stuff, and we've got the big Featherman um, chicken plucker, a lot more expensive. When my guys come back here and start plucking chickens, to this day, they still pull out the tractor supply one. It is much smaller. Nicole's looks like ours. It's a lot more stable. It's stainless steel, but hers is a lot bigger. Um so, I mean, just be honest with yourself. Are, are you really going to process birds every year? Is it, you know, a couple of dozen birds or, or is it a huge, you know, amount of birds? So do you need four grand worth of plucking stuff or do you need, you know, $250 worth? And, and nowadays that's probably four or $500. So I, I, we kept it just as a backup, 
but we used the shit out of that less expensive one for sure. And I've seen Nicole's when we were searching commercial kitchen, like commercial freezer on Craigslist. A lot of those places that came up had that plucker. They had that available through them. You can find them on eBay also. And it looks to be the exact same thing she has. Yeah, it does require 220. Ours do not. Ours yeah. are not 220. So my, my, just be careful when buying it. Um, the other thing I will say is the Featherman's propane scalder. Yeah. The, I don't know if you have one of yeah. those, but that thing is great because it has a thermostat to keep the temperature of the water right where you need it to be. And it heats. If you put hot water in it, it heats up in one hour. If you put cold water, too. And that means you can bring it anywhere. You need a, a little bit of electricity for the thermos for the thermostat to work. But that thing was a game changer for us. Also from a cleanup standpoint, because we used to use big pots and and thermometers, but then they cool down and you'd have to wait on the featherman, there's no wait. I, I feel like I thought it took longer. I thought Cody said it took a considerably longer to warm up. Whereas on the doing just like the old scald bucket thing, we can have water ready to go in like five minutes, you know, over like yeah, turkey it takes, fryer. It takes an hour. For but it's a lot. Water. It's more dangerous for sure over the turkey fryer. Um, and then as far as feathers, we have these big rubber made with handles and they're just rubber. Um, and we put the feathers in there. We take the feathers to the compost piles um, and then any feathers where they're on the ground. We just wait a couple days till they're dried out. We hit them with a torch and they just go away like hair. That's probably yeah. smells great. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and big time listening to what John said about, be honest with yourself, are you going to do it in quantity every year? Because I don't. And if I do have a big quantity, instead of a plucker, I have a dude in Weatherford that does them for $4 a bird. Mm. Right? So they just I go to, do that every time. They go to Weatherford camp uh, and then they come back all ready to go. But when I process one or two and I do this ducks, geese, chickens now, I, you know, I, cut the neck, bleed them out. I pluck the breast. I don't even put them in hot water. I just yank all the feathers off the breast because the breast is easy to pluck. I de-breast the two breast cutlets. I plop the skin around and pull out the leg quarters, and then I feed the rest of the dog. Yep. And that's it. And then you end up with your leg quarters are skinless, right, and bone in, but your breasts are skin on. And then what John said about the feathers, any little fly feathers or whatever, I just take my little butane torch and sear them off. And it takes three minutes maybe to do a bird if you don't count waiting for them to bleed out. If you're and just talking about the actual processing, not the slaughter. And it would take him longer to clean up the plucker yes. <laughs> to do the whole process he just for talked longer. about. Yeah. 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 It's like modified yeah. dove breasting is what it's like. Really. I have not found a processor in a reasonable distance for me that will go less than $8 a bird. Mm-mm. And, Mine does turkeys for Ada Bird, and if you'll do a turkey yeah, for Ada Bird, especially my turkeys, all right, God bless you, man. Yeah, no, that's not a thing where, and I think that's very regional. There yeah. may be somebody near John, but if I have to not drive, I know of. if I need to drive a six-hour round trip for the cheap price, it's I might as well pay yeah. the expensive yeah. price. But that's part of why we set up a whole processing facility is we can't necessarily do it cheaply. The more people take our class, get trained, they can come use it again, and it's yeah. done. So, I mean, it makes sense for me. I think there's a business model in, in uh, a mobile processor because oh, you're he technically was. processing on farm. There's a dude that does it up where Ben Falk lives, and I think he charges four bucks a bird, and he comes to your house, and he's yeah, all awesome. set up for it all. He doesn't have to be like well, – I saw one guy did it. He did it like his, with like a government-grade you know, kitchen inside a trailer, 
this dude just does it normal because you're on farm processing anyway. So you don't, you don't need a huge investment. Also, the shit John just said, that's what you need. Yeah. Some tables, some, he has like some stainless steel fold up tables and shit. So they're easy to clean. That's it. And he, he does well for himself. And he, like, when he got done, he came and he, so instead of teaching the class himself, Ben was fucking slick, right? So he uses the class money to pay the guy to process the birds and has the guy teach the yeah, students that's awesome. clean the birds all at the same time. And we talked to the guy. He's like, I got to go, man. I got another farm to go to. I got 200 to do there. And almost, and the next most important thing, if you don't have one, go get you a three bin commercial mop sink. We have one right out back here where we process. So they go into one and they kind of get rinsed off. The guts come out in the next one and then they just go down the line, man. So we'll have two, three people in that sink just doing this, the processes, but having that sink and we just have the sink hooked up to hose water, just being able to rinse all of that. And then we've got a big piece of PVC pipe shooting it about 10 feet away from the sink, man. That was the biggest game changer was that commercial sink. Yeah. And this, this dude, Derek, here's saying he has a plucker. He rents it out at 75 a day with the push for backyard birds. He's got five different people who rent it at least twice a year. That's awesome. So you can pay for your plucker pretty quick that way. And then if you're the one renting it, it still makes more sense for the renter than to be an owner. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We always talk about ways to make money from the stuff we have. There's one. You have no idea. If you just start looking at what you have and, and the bullshit you're willing to put up with to manage a rental. That's why I like. Suddenly you can make extra money when you couldn't make extra money before. Somebody says that's like why I like quail. I give my kid, my son, he's 22. I give him shit every day because he comes walking in the kitchen. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And he's got scissors cutting open quail eggs. I go, you might not know this, but they've got this other bird. It's called a fucking chicken. And there's like 500 of them here. I go, do you not see there's 300 eggs sitting right here? And he keeps messing around with these chicks. He's like, but I got the big quail, the Caternix, you know, giant. Yeah. And he does. He's, they're breeding and he's, he's breeding them and he's got incubators and stuff. And it's, it's cool. But man, chickens are too easy. Chickens are easy. I like quail for a lot of reasons, but I, I stopped raising them because my wife won't eat them. That's, I know, I know. You so know. then you're doing all that shit for just one person in the house. But the, what's cool about the eggs when he's cutting with the scissors and when you make like a sunny side quail egg, it's a single fucking bite. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's fucking cool as shit. You make like 10 of them. Yeah. And then like you have a perfect freaking bite. And I want to know why are, this is totally unrelated to prepping. Why are these people on these cooking shows freaking idiots? With quail eggs. You see like these cooking shows where they're competing and they're trying to crack a freaking quail egg like a freaking chicken egg. This is like a Michelin three star chef that won the James Beard Award. Can't work a freaking quail egg, man. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing we still have quail in the United States for is so that you can crack that egg at the sushi restaurant and put it over the Acura, over the salmon eggs. No, that's good though. Yeah. That's a good reason. What's cool about quails for 30 seconds? Purple purple quail eggs would be badass because then you could be like popping them like jelly beans. Yeah, that's what that's what he's dealing with. The the quail for me, no tools, thirty seconds, breast leg quarters, heart, liver, done, like that, and then you go hatched from an egg, six weeks, meat. That's what makes them freaking badass. If you're and if your family will eat them, but I'm like you know if if. If the butcher box in the store dries up, maybe you'll freaking eat them then, right? 
Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people will eat a lot of things if butcher box dries up. It's, it's amazing <laughs> who won't eat rabbit, who will suddenly eat rabbit if rabbit's the only choice. Yeah, it, rabbit or lentils, I'm going to go rabbit every time. It's I'm going to change the verb tense on that, and I'm going to say a lot of people are going to eat a lot of things that they don't think they're going to eat in the next couple <laughs> yeah. of three years, right? Yeah, it's Salad. <laughs> It's not that you can't eat freezer burn meat. It's that you don't want to eat freezer burn meat, and they will be eating it. Well, it's like we did a liver and onions tasting at my event, which is not something you think is popular, but a lot of people wanted to taste it who hadn't. Um, I would have. Yeah, and we did that the last night. Just try some liver and onions if you're interested. And it was from our pork livers from the pigs we just processed. And... A lot of people tried it, and some of them loved it, went back for seconds. Some of them didn't try it. And then there was this third category of, I can eat that if I have to eat that, but I do not choose to eat that at this time. I think liver's super good for you, and there's a lot of push towards organ meat right now. And if you, yeah. like, I've tried to eat liver a few times. It's not my thing. So no. if you want to consume it for the beneficials of it, you can take it in little tiny pieces and freeze it and just you can swallow that stuff. You can just kind of freeze them cold and then just, you know, let them heat up a little bit. But that's how you can store them in a bag so that you can take a couple of them a day should you want to. Do what we do, we take, we take them and we freeze it. We freeze it and we grind it because if you grind it when it's not frozen, you'll, you say that, yeah. Yeah, you'll fucking hate yourself. And then to a pound of ground beef, two ounces of liver, mix it, freeze it, you know, back seal it and freeze it. Yep. And when you make a burger, it just tastes better. And I, I hate liver, like straight liver. Fry. But when you put it with beef or you put it with any ground meat, we've done a lot of, uh, every time I make pork sausage, if I have access to the liver, I'll throw the liver in with the sausage and it's delicious. But I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm not a big, like, sit down and eat liver thing. Yeah. Our, our butcher, we got a friend who owns a butcher shop open a couple miles from here. Cutting edge, like beautiful, huge building. And we're able to get organs from him because he can't sell them. Like, nobody buys them. So we're yeah. getting, you know, full livers and full hearts and stuff from him for the dogs. Yeah, and I know there's a whole process of freeze-drying the liver, powdering it, putting it in pills for people who want the nutritional benefit. Yeah. Which, if I didn't have a night hawk next door to me who will eat all the livers, that's where the livers would go at my house because I could see the vitamin the vitamin argument for it. I just don't love it. Look how luscious his hair is, though. It thought. is. It is yeah. so luscious and that e- long. That explained a lot when you said he eats all the liver. Now I understand. <laughs> yeah, his coat's as shiny as my dog. Yes, yes. yes. Thoughts on farming plant seedlings as a side hustle? Okay. Do it. I was going to say. Wait a minute. <laughs> so I bought, I've bought hundreds of plant starts in the last okay. few weeks from – from Sam's or from uh, Lowe's and Home Depot. Plants this year are five, six, even seven dollars a piece for a single tomato. If if you can't do it now, you couldn't have ever done it. Like people no. are paying. So if you have a story as to why they should buy yours, and you have some kind of packaging, especially if you have something you can upsell with those, absolutely you should. If you're doing it for yourself, why not do some extras? If nothing else, give some to a few people. And ask them to refer a couple friends. And do the package thing like John's saying. Like I would think about your average person. Like if you're in like a suburban type area with backyard gardens, those four by eight gardens. So think about that layout and think about, okay, in the back you can do like with good spacing, like three tomato plants and then like four peppers and come up with a planting arrangement for four by eight beds and call that a package. If you want to buy them individually, fine, but say, you know, I have these, uh, 32 square foot 
you know, four by eight garden packages and then package that together. And then that way, when you have people coming to pick them up, you just throw them all in a flat and here you go, tear out, get, go away. And people love to buy stuff that way. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to bust your chops about this comment right here. Doing the work. This is why I've started doing it. Just haven't tried selling yet. Still working on the crap. Like what the actual is that about? If you have plants, that are successful right now that you could be selling, sell them. You might only sell five, but you've then figured out your sales channels. Throw that shit on next door at least, next right? year when you go big, you go big. You don't need to hone your craft. You need to sell your shit. Okay. <laughs> how, about, how about this, man? Do you, have, do you have access to fig trees? You can take literally a stick off of the fig tree, plant it. I... Just went and bought for $39 a piece. I bought 24 fig trees this year that are probably one, maybe two years. When you're looking on Marketplace, you see all these beautiful fig trees people are selling. They're sending you a raw stick when you, when you dig through it, right? It doesn't have any leaves on it. So if you've got some stuff in a pot with some leaves, you're a hundred times ahead of anything they could buy. And they, they, man, they, I just drove the four wheeler past my fig trees this morning. It smells like vanilla out there. It smells so good. And there's thousands of figs on these two trees already. Like if you have them available, you're not going to mind having them. All you got to do is water them every couple of weeks and sell those suckers. Yeah. And you know what? Do what John said. Like pick shit that's easy to propagate figs. And like another plant people pay stupid money for are goji berries. I paid 20 bucks a piece for like this little bitty ass goji berry from Rain Tree or whatever. Like gojis, once they, once they get going, you clip a green clipping, you stick it in wet soil, and you put it in shade. You wait 10 days and it has roots. You pot it up, you grow it out for a couple weeks, and you sell it for 10 bucks instead of 20 bucks. Like, and it's, you, can, you can actually take orders because you know it takes like three weeks to make one. Yep. So, like, and take free orders. Potato. Sweet potatoes, sweet awesome. Potato I, sell right, bundles. I sell 10-pack bundles of sweet potato slips for five bucks. And I get to like, I don't want to make any more this year. I just throw them in my little air stacks in my ponds to make them. I'll throw 10 in a stack. Once they're green, you throw a string around them, put some wet paper on, throw them in a bag, and people come pick them up. I don't even do it anymore because it's more work than I want to do. But if you need money, it's easy money. Especially if you have people coming. If you can be a destination for some reason, man, I make, I should stop saying this. I make more money on gummy bears than I make doing what I really do. Like, I have a semi-truck pull up with a pallet with 5,000 pounds of gummy bears, and we sell them every quarter. Like, Keep that shit away from me this summer, man. I I have willpower. Fucking gummy bears are my kryptonite. And, it, man, we have the best. When we place our gummy bear order, they don't pull them out of a warehouse. They, they, they make them right then. Like, if you've never had fresh gummy bears, completely different animal. Okay, I want to hear by next week from you, S-O-M-O-2-S-S, whatever. I want to hear what you sold next week when we're on this live stream, because you know we're going to be here Tuesday at 12.30. Tell me how many plants you sold. That dude, he'll do it. He's on my live feed every yeah, single night. I want to know. You got this. Dakota, Dakota, Ireland says, Comfrey's another one, super easy to propagate from root, sells quick. Yeah. Yeah. Dakota yes. sells tomato seeds at Mad River. Is it Mad River Seeds in Washington State? Some heirloom varieties, just FYI. All right. I like this. Look at this here. Shane says, 
we started selling drop boxes, 20 bucks per box per week, whatever we have left over from the week's harvest. It's fucking brilliant because otherwise it's compost or pig feed. Yeah. Right? So you're making a waste product and you're selling. It's not a waste product, but it became one because you're probably growing a lot of greens and stuff. And, like, it just doesn't have a shelf life. Shane, how are you – How are you? are they coming to you to pick that up? Are you taking that to a farmer's market? How are they receiving that from you? I have no idea because it's Shane that's saying that. So, Shane, let us know. John wants to know, man. I'm glad I listened to you about doing something. My 3D printed can opener side hustle giving me a great cushion of money. Are you the dude? You, Is that that's the jar opener? Yeah. I still haven't promoted on my podcast. I need so to, he, it's the best candy jar. jar so opener this guy, ever. this guy sent me some. Yeah, that's and great. And I think I said, hey, what's your website? I'll send some business to you. And he's like, I don't want any business. I think that's that guy. <laughs> so I'm being asked about my frozen catfish bait recipe. It's real simple. You take shrimp, you put a bunch of fucking salt on it. You leave it for a couple of days, and then you take most of the salt off, and you don't have to freeze it. You just throw the refrigerator after that. Why do they salt it? I see them selling salted shrimp bait. Okay, so because the catfish don't give a fuck, they'll eat it anyway. And if you've ever fished with fresh shrimp, Fish love it, but, like, for every 10 pieces you use, you catch one fish because they peck at it, and it's soft. It falls off. It gets tough, and it won't come off the hook. So especially, like, when you're catching smaller catfish, like, we catch bullheads for the systems, and I went from catching, like, one catfish for four pieces of bait to catching, like, four catfish on one piece of bait. So that's a pretty good ROI right there. And it, originally it started with surf fishing because – Obviously, a fish in salt water doesn't give two shits that there's salt on the shrimp. But when I saw that happening, I was like, you know, will, will it work on like these? So I catch channel. I don't know if blues will hit it, but channels and bullheads, they hit it as much as they hit anything else. You don't lose it. Another catfish bait, not that this is a catfish bait show, but uh, jello and hot dogs. So you take like hot dogs, cut them into bite size, throw them in a bag, take a pack of plain old ordinary strawberry jello. And pour it in there, but take a freaking rag or something with you, because every time you touch it, you get like jello pink freaking <laughs> fingers. But strawberry or raspberry, see, I don't know why they like it, but they do. Would you worry about um, getting getting pond plants and having snails on them? Are you concerned with snails at all, or it doesn't matter? Or we want them. I have snails in all my shit. I don't care about them. I don't know why people do. Um, What's the cool thing you can do with them, though, this is more an aquarium thing, but it has worked in my smaller tanks. You take, like, a Rampton dish and set it in the bottom and throw an algae wafer in there at night, and you come in the morning, like, the, the entire little thing, literal thing is filled to the top with snails. So if you're trying to control them in a tank, you can take a shitload out that way. And cool. I do it sometimes not to get rid of them. I do it because freaking ducks love snails. Okay. So, like, I'll take a rampkin full of snails, and when I fill their little ponds that they swim in up, I'll just dump that in there, and they eat the shit out of them. And then I have a tank that's full of uh, the red-ear sunfish that eat the snails, so there's no snails in there, so I'll dump them in there. I actually have 255-gallon tanks right behind the computer here, and I'll get snails out of there to feed those guys with, because in a fish tank, it's crazy. It's like, I don't even know how they all fit in there. It's like somebody put them in there and packed them down like they're going to make a drink with ice or something. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Jamie has the Etsy store set up for the can openers that we're talking about, which is perfect timing because it's time for me to start showing people how to can again on YouTube. 
and I'll promote that, but you got to give us the link to your Etsy store. You're going to throw it in the comments, Jamie? What is a 3D can opener? Is it for opening, it, like, you mean the... It's a 3D printed right? can opener for mason jars that ah. opens them in a way that you can, like, I don't reuse the jar for canning, but I reuse it for dry canning. Yeah. Because it doesn't leave the pointy dent in it. It's it's fantastic. Oh, cool. Cool. Best area of Texas for homesteading, Jack. Kind All of, of it. No, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want ease of growing shit, you want Southeast Texas, like around but not in Houston. Um, if you want to go more into citrus and shit, then to go down to the South Coast, down toward like where Corpus is, where I am is great. If you want opportunity to work and yet still have your little homestead because we have a lot of industry, not just in Dallas-Fort Worth, but around it. Um, West Texas sucks. I know I'm going to get a lot of West Texas people that hate me for saying that, but it's desert. So, like, if you like that lifestyle, and that's the thing about Texas, like, what do you want? We got pine forests out, like, northeast Texas is all pine forest and red clay. And then you got coast, and like, you can buy coastal property in Texas for a fraction of any other place in the country. I mean, beach house on the beach. You're not going to have land then, but you got that. If you want to live just off the beach, we've got connect, like, all around, like, Freeport and Bryan Beach and all that. You can get a, like, five-bedroom house on a on a canal that's deep water canal you can put your boat in and go out to the ocean with for like 500 grand like and i mean a, a not a fuck like if you want a fucked up one you still can do that under 300 but if you want like something that was just really made nice but you're not with that you're not gonna have land you're gonna have a you know a strip yard so what do you want man that's that's what you gotta look at but tennessee's pretty badass if we didn't live here we'd probably live there we have rain we, we have you rain. have rain Literally the first time that I've actually put water anywhere this year was this morning. Like, we got rain. We we're, yeah. we don't have a shortage of water. I've got shade where I need it. I've got sunlight where I need it. Like, man, and, and we, you can still do shit here. Yeah. If you to Tennessee, there will be a disturbance in the forest, though. The, like, the problem we have right now for the whole center of the United States is our dry line is migrating east. So, like, yeah. when I moved to Texas back in 93 – the dry line, which is where your storms generally pop up. Not always, but like kind of general place you see a front coming in, boom, there's where your storms pop up, was out in Abilene. That's seven, several hundred miles to our uh, west. Now the dry line is on the other side of Dallas from me. That's a, that's a macro climate shift right there. And right. if you look at any of the, the Grand Solar Minimum and the Maunder Minimum and all that, like it does look like, your growing zones are shifting, right? So yeah. if I'm six here, we're getting prepared to be five. That's why we bought the row houses. So we could we could go undercover. We could do supplemental heat. I can extend two months on the back end, and I can start two months early on the front end. But, you know, that there really seems to be something to that. So Yeah. And yeah, I, like, that 2030, dude, I don't know if you've watched any of his shit. Like, there's times I'm like, this dude's batshit crazy. And other times I'm like, this guy's a fucking genius. So I hit David up and I'm like, Hey, you need to go on Jack's show. He lives here in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Like, like his, I listen I have to a lot. Of, yeah. I listen to a There's lot a of magic formula to get on the show. And he's actually, he's actually out there doing stuff, man. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's planting trees. He's planting grass. He's building soil. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of us. He might be batshit crazy, but I mean, he's got, he's got some good. I think we all are. Maybe you need a t-shirt, John, that says, yes, I am batshit crazy. <laughs> How does he follow me, and then the back, which should say, "Follow me for other tips." 
Okay, there's a question about pressure canners. What pressure canner would you use? I'm going to start out with the one I would most often start with, Jeremy, if I've never pressure canned before, is the one I borrow from my friend who has a pressure canner and do about four or five batches. Decide if you even are going to be a pressure canning person because what I see most often, people ask this question. I say, get the All-American if it's stovetop. You can do the Presto stovetop. It's cheaper if that's what's in your budget. Both of them work. The All-American is going to last you a lot longer and be more enduring through weird shortages of rubber gaskets. But it, And then they buy it, and they use it zero times because they're afraid of the damn pressure canner blowing up like a bomb because that's what we were all taught that pressure canners do when we were growing up. They never can again, and they sell it on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Jack recommends some electric pressure canners. The one I like best is not one I own. It's the Presto Electric Pressure Canner. It'll totally kill you, just like everybody on the Internet says. So just be careful about the part where it will kill you. Or get over that and use the damn thing. The Carry Pressure Canner, which I guess is the Nesco Pressure Canner now on Amazon. The Carry Shard Nesco. The Carry Shard Nesco. I have the Shard Carry. Anyway, it works, but the Presto is definitely better. It's also $100 more expensive and worth every penny. When mine breaks, that's what I'm getting next okay. is the Presto. But I use both a stovetop and two electrics at the same time, and anybody else in the neighborhood who brings me their electric, I'll have them all going uh, during green bean canning season just to get that done. But if you hate canning, spend $0 on it by finding that out in advance by asking your friend to borrow theirs. So the gold standard is the All-American. It's heavy. It's stainless steel. I think it's stainless. I don't know, aluminum. They're expensive. Like, you're 600 bucks for one of them. Had you bought it? A year or two ago for 300 and decided you didn't like it, you could double your money right now. But that's, I can put that over fire. I can put that on stovetop. I bought a commercial electric burner to run that thing should we ever need to. But I use two, I say I, I mean Amanda uses two Presto 12 quart canners. We run them on the same circuit in the kitchen so they don't draw too much power and you set them and forget them. It beeps. Yeah. It tells you we're going to do all these things. It does them, and then you're just there to get the reward for the most part. Whereas your other one, you've got to set a timer, you've got to check it, or put a, a, a Bluetooth camera or something on it to monitor it. The Presto's too easy not to use it. Yeah, I feel the same way about the the uh, Nesco Carry Shard, right? But, it, but sure. I'll check that one out then because I, I like to recommend the best. Um, it's made better, Jack. That's the okay. thing. Like you, that, you can wear I, out the shard. It's just made. Yeah. And that wasn't available when yeah. you started recommending that. And, and, and it's not e- even easy to find now because they're constantly backordered. And having, yeah. having this conversation, you probably have not canned anything. Be aware that a 12-quart Presto canner only holds five one-quart jars. Yeah. It's got a 41-quart All-American and it don't hold 41 jars. Just be aware of that. Yeah. And when you layer them on top, you know, things banging around in there, you might be happier with just just that first ring in there. It's just like um, for the, the gold standard for wheat grinders is the country living grain mill. And it makes awesome flour. It does not make flour like you're used to buying from the grocery store. But you can hook it up to a bicycle. You can hook it to a motor. You can get an extension so it's easier to crank and your kids can use it. But it doesn't make the flour for 300 bucks. You can buy a General Electric flour mill while the power still runs that will cut flour just like you're used to getting from the grocery store. 
claiming liberty. I don't know if the Presto is accessible to a crazy blind lady, but I will ask Amanda to look at hers and see what I think compared to the Shard International. Uh, it may, you may need somebody to look at it for you, but I'll let you know because I know who you are and how to reach you outside of this. Yeah, it makes some specific noises with it. Yeah, it just... You probably could do it. Probably. We'll, we'll look for you. I have to look at it again because I've only used one one time. And I just it was just clearly superior quality <laughs> to the carry. Boy, they're out of stock everywhere, too, like the Nesco's, though. They're out of stock Walmart. They're out of stock um, Amazon. Yeah. Maybe Home Depot? What a crazy place to get a pressure canner from. Man, Jack, I've been buying stuff from Home Depot. Yeah. And, and it gets here literally the next day. I get Home Depot stuff faster in this building than I get Amazon stuff. And if you're ever looking at tools, the tools seem to be way cheaper on Home Depot than on Amazon, except for the the, the Pirate Bay or whatever that thing is we've been using. Yeah. But I'm going to so, tell you, if you find one of these and you want one, get it, because there's – they're sold out. It's especially this time of year, the canners are low. Yeah. And you just have to you have to resign yourself to a waiting period if you're going to buy one of those electric ones anyway. And then it's canning so canning season is starting, and that means everything's out every year, and then it's worse because everything's more out this year than other years. So you may get one again in the fall. You might have to wait that long. That means you're still top canning until then. And Vitamix does make flour. It makes really good flour. But your Vitamix doesn't do that. Vitamix has a separate pitcher, which typically does not come with the Vitamix. you got to buy that separately. I have it. Yeah. I have a flour grinder that Tactical Redneck had that we haven't got rid of yet, even though nobody eats flour at my house just in case right now. But it works great, and it makes, you know, a lot of flour at one time. It's not stone ground. I got rid of my stone grinder when I stopped eating Right bread. about the time we moved here, Jack did a show about beer bread. And <laughs> it's like it was meant to be. I walked into the Walmart the first time after being after moving here, and they had these, like, Corona bottles full of bread mixes, and all you did was dump in your thing. So we kind of adapted that. We've got two different recipes we do. Amanda hasn't eaten bread, and I couldn't, I, I don't know, years. I, I'm still kind of fat boy. I'll still, I'll still eat some carbs a lot of them actually um but she makes a beer bread man that's just amazing it's just it's too good wow and simple that, that latest question about compost is not one i've ever even worried about Jack, don't worry about it I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say hold on before i say that how many fucking onions <laughs> yeah. yeah did you get right. did you get the, grocery store clean out and your, your animals wouldn't eat it? <laughs> like, did you, like, go to, like, a restaurant that was, like, we have, like, 500 rotting, nasty bags of onions? Like, maybe I would worry, but if you're talking about generally, like, you have leftover onion parts, like the wrapper, I throw that shit in the compost all the time. Yeah. You know? No, I wouldn't worry about it. But if yeah, you... I just do it, and I get compost, so I've never worried about it, but it is, like, the wrappers of my onions and whatever, the ones that went bad in the bag. All of all of our scraps like that go into 20-gallon Rubbermaid containers, and I dump them in the chicken pens every day. The chickens do not eat onions. But nothing no. seems to eat onions. I wouldn't put them in worm bins. I think uh, that yeah. you might cause an agitation. Alliums in general might cause an agitation to worms, right? But I, I wouldn't worry about anything else. And if you have some worms in your compost and you're worried that a couple onions, no, I wouldn't worry about that either. But I wouldn't, like, if you have a dedicated worm bin, 
I wouldn't put alliums in it, garlic and onion. Okay, any recommendations on affordable sun solar oven? I hate the word affordable. I'm never the affordable guy. Anytime I see somebody looking for something and I have the answer, I don't ever, I never interact, right? So the gold standard probably is sun oven. And it's, I've got one here. I've never used it. I think we're going to actually break it out for this next event. Yeah. I see some super cool tube ones that you pull this tube out, you put your little Cornish game hens or whatever in there, and the tube opens up and has reflectors. Those seem very promising. I've watched a lot of videos on them. They're about four or 500. But you said affordable. Solid, big cardboard box, aluminum foil, and some mirrors. You could probably put that together for 40 bucks, 50, 60 bucks, depending how fancy you get with your mirrors. And you could totally do that. It's just going to be more work for you yeah. unless you get those mirrors somehow attached to the box. But and I would go box in box. So you want a smaller box, a bigger box, and fill in the gap with an insulator. And you could yeah. use dirt, sand, whatever you want to be free. But, like, your best choice would probably be perlite. Yeah, and I just bought for my systems for something totally different. I bought two huge bags of perlite. I mean, big ass. Like, I threw two of them in the back of a toilet pickup, and it was almost no room left. And I paid 70 bucks, so it's cheap. Um, Danny, my thoughts on the KitchenAid grain bill attachment is don't do it. How come? Because it doesn't have enough balls to do what you're going to want to mm. do. It doesn't go long enough. I would I would rather use a Vitamix. Yeah, if you have if a you Vitamix already. Dual, if you want a dual sort of purpose in that way. Same with the meat grinder. Let's the meat grinder on the, the meat grinder. The, no. KitchenAid meat grinder. Hate your life. And let's be real about the Vitamix thing. I mean, most people are suckers, and that's how you get sold a Vitamix. Because I stood there at Costco, and I taste. I'm like, man, you can make soup. Holy shit, it goes so fast, <laughs> it will make soup. <laughs> Nobody pointed out to you that so will the microwave in 30 seconds. Um, yeah. It makes ice cream and yogurts. It basically makes a bunch of stuff that I should not be putting in my body. We have one. We've. I haven't used it in probably a decade at this point. We used it for bulletproof coffee, and then we bought the little nutrient into it, and now the Vitamix lives over the refrigerator, and it probably should go away. We got Amanda brought a hand blender in here and for making bulletproof coffee and stuff. Man, yeah. there's nothing easier than that, and it's a battery-powered whisker thing. Holy cow, man. We don't even have to break that big thing out anymore. I'm getting rid of my Ninja. I love the Ninja for food So process. I can have a <laughs> big. Vitamix so I can do flour and get rid of the flour grinder. Yep. That's my whole plan. But the, I don't use the Ninja for that. I use I have a food processor yeah. separate. Just if you own a little coffee grinder, keep Nicole the fuck away from it. Yeah. Oh, no, anything. <laughs> I can break anything. I have for like 13 years it lasted. Nicole, I, have some cast I can break, you know, the Cuisinart food processor. I can break that, too, in just two uses. I get... The Hamilton Beach one because it's indestructible. I'm wondering if that thing's still for sale because people should totally buy it off my link if it is. <laughs> because they have these, they're supposedly rebuilt. All they are is returns. And they, they went down last week to like 50 fucking dollars for like a $150 full nice. processor. And I mean, they were just, it's an, I actually want to buy one, but I have a better one. But it was so cheap, I almost bought another one. I'm like, I just don't need more shit. Let me see if those are still available. You totally need more stuff. I don't need more shit, but I do need to sell more shit. So they're on sale. They're, they're now sixty-six bucks. They were like forty-nine dollars last week. 
That's not bad. Minute Men Defense, um, experience with bone sauce, yes, but I'm going to ask you to hold that question for two weeks when Billy Bond's back on. I'm going to drop Because he makes anyway. bone sauce and sells it. He can tell you all about its wonderful deer-deterring properties. You know what else deters deer? They got this thing you might not have heard of. It's called a dog. And we put fences around. I use fences to keep dogs in, and I keep I use dogs to keep predators out. Yep. My dogs get hold of eagles. They get hold of hawks. There is not, there is not, I've got coyote on game cameras everywhere outside the fence. You will, we will never have a deer come over that fence. My dogs will literally eat them. Yeah, Charlie got a Cooper, his first Cooper's hawk about four or five weeks ago. So we have guineas, and the guineas, anytime they see shadow, they alert, and the dogs come running right to the guineas, man. As soon as we put the other dogs in fence, we didn't have any more air predation. It just all stopped. We had hawks, and we get a bald eagle occasionally, um, and, and that's a, that's done. That hasn't happened in years now. Yep. Okay, Crystal says, you inspired me. Just picked up two stock tanks to sand my aquaponics and do my first little workshop. She's, she's got aquaponics. She decided I need more aquaponics, and I could maybe make a little money by showing other people how to do it. So Is that's, that farmish? Uh, no, that's Crystal. She she was at my workshop. Okay. Uh, she takes wonderful photographs. Lives in Michigan. So cool. the, writer, the writer. Yeah, the writer. The one that wants to do wants to. I want to do this stuff, but I don't know how to do this. Or no, yeah, she wasn't quite that. Okay. Didn't, didn't quite know the price to put on it, so okay. she got hammered on for three days about that. Bio break or refill. Okay, have you ever eaten goose? I have eaten goose. I got I've got friends acquaintances around here that go to Canada and hunt geese all the time. Yeah. And they come back, literally, they come back with, like, a damn rider truck full of chest freezers, full of this stuff. So they give us geese. Yeah, I have eaten them. Yeah. We fed most of them to the dogs. Okay. Not opposed to it. Not so, in love with it. I have, I have a chef here that cooks for us, so I'm very, very spoiled. We don't we don't prep a lot of stuff that, that we do here. And the way, if you've ever cooked a duck where... You um, salt them and put them in the fridge overnight to get some of the moisture out, and you score their skin so the fat can come through. That also works really well for geese. I've only cooked a few geese in my time, but that's what I did. I spatchcocked them and, and had them on a roasting pan with space between them and where the fat will fall through so I could get the fat and use it for other, other marvelous things. I like goose. Jack probably has thoughts about how he'd like to cook a goose if he's Somebody says, Jack, smoke how do you like to, uh, somebody says smoke them. How do you like to cook your goose? I, you know, the breast, I'd make them just like, like a big duck breast. You take a half of breast with the skin on, score it a little bit, skin side down, sear it, flip it over, cook the bottom a little bit. Use like a cast iron or a steel uh, skillet. Throw it in the oven with a temperature probe in it. Cook it to your temperature of choice. I like it a little medium or just Cut that breast like that and throw it on the grill. Just cook it on the grill. I mean, you don't have to make it hard. Like a little salt and pepper and go on with your life. Leg quarters, I do more like a slow roast. Um, you can confit goose. I just think it's a pretty big bird to do that with. But I cook it pretty much the way I cook duck. Yeah. Freaking delicious. And the beauty of geese, if you want to be like regenerative, sustainable on your own, if you can – Get through the hatching, and I did a great episode with a, with a, with a gal on all the stuff you do to hatch waterfowl differently than, than chickens. 
and it is a little more difficult. If you can pull that off, geese will go from gosling out of the egg to meat size, mostly on grass in 11 weeks. And right now, like I've got my little goslings out there. They don't really want much to do with the feed. They'll go through like a, a, a the big chick feeder, huge one. They'll go through that in like two and a half days. It takes me to get through it. Because as soon as they come out in the morning, you put them on the grass, they just start hitting the grass like crazy, man. They're like little cows. And they don't have, they're happier with water. They don't have, they don't have to have it like a duck does. If you don't let a duck get wet and get its head wet, it will get sick and it eventually will die. It will have problems with certain glands that need to be cleaned out. Geese don't have to have like bath water. I think they should just because they're an aquatic bird, but they don't have to have. I've got I've got ducks up there that literally look like they're grandma ducks, right? They, you would look at this duck and go, that duck's got to be 20 years old. Feathers ripped out, feathers out of it, and I think it's ducks molt. So yeah. I've got these. I've got these. I'm like, surely that duck. That's the end of this duck. It's not going to be here. And then all of a sudden the duck is back, and you're like, what happened to you? And it it has just regenerated. I've got some ducks up there that. Man, you would think at any minute, like, like I've got a couple that just kind of limp around. They're so old, and then yeah. they'll go through a period where they just look rejuvenized. Yeah, they they when they molt, not all at once, but they literally lose every feather. And I think like, I got too many males. Every feather they have. That's why their laying goes to shit when they molt because they need the energy to regrow the feathers. And this is important with any bird that you do wing clipping with. They pretty much all do the same thing. And so all the feathers that you clipped fall out, and new feathers grow back. So especially if you have birds like Muscovies, that they don't just fly, like, over a thing. They fly, like, out and wherever they want. When they start molting, watch them. And as they're not quite able to fly, but they've got enough of the flight feathers back that you can clip, clip it then. That will be the easy time. And that's a good reason to have like a poultry house, even if you don't always put them in it, but train them to it. That way you can kind of like, okay, everybody go to bed. And then you close the door and then, you know, Edward Scissorhands comes out and they have, you know, <laughs> five bad seconds in their life where they feel tormented and they, they go on with their life and they, it's no big deal. Yeah. If we're ever going to clip chickens, I always do it at night, middle of the night while they're up on the perches asleep. You snatch one up, cut it, put it back. And if you ever need to move chickens, yeah. Save the time to move them is take them at night, put them in another coop, and they just kind of wake up there, and you don't have as much pecking order stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, babies being like when they get big enough to move into and join your flock, same thing. Put them on the perch next to the other. When they they go, chickens are weird. They kind of go into this like trance like state at night where they just kind of don't respond. Like you go into a duck coop at night, and the ducks are like, "What are you doing here, asshole?" Like, hey, hey, why are you in our shit at night? Like, chickens are just done. They're out. So yeah, you put out. them right next to who the birds are going to live with. And when they wake up in the morning, they're kind of like, I, I guess you were always here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody say, hey, why buy uh, feed? You know, why why buy cracked corn and, and feed scratch? Why not just do it in a blender? It's just time. If I had to, If I had to every morning crack up enough stuff to feed my animals or to do it in a blender – like I'm going, I, I use a ton of feed. We bring feed in by the tons, truckloads of it. So, I mean, maybe you could do that, but I don't think there's a return on it if you paid yourself minimum wage. And like when I say minimum wage, I still have in my head 425 an hour. I think minimum wage is like 10 bucks an hour now. So well, the, the nutritional balance of what you're feeding your layer hens is probably different than 
meat birds or chicks. Yeah. Well, you don't I have to feed a, them. You don't it's have got to. less calcium in it. And, and for that, layer, might, that might cause problems if you were 100% dependent on that. I don't know, though, because I've never tried it. We're looking at a full-blown hammer mill, like like a real one, like, you know, big, like as big as the corner of this building. Like, we're literally going to bring in an actual mill to be able to take, because I can always, no matter what happens, I've got friends that are farming thousands of acres. They're silos sitting with corn and wheat and stuff. So we can always process that if we need to. Yeah, Nick My Ferguson was talking about doing it. This week, finally. Nick, Nick Ferguson was talking about doing a hammer mill and a pelletizer. Yeah. And yeah. being able to do pelletized things from fodder trees, like white yep. mulberry and hybrid poplar and stuff. And I was like, Man, I can grow the shit out of some water hyacinth. And I was like, that's, that has a protein content at, at dry weight that's like 38%. Soy is usually 33 yeah. to put it in perspective. And I think that's like long term, we may need to think like that. I want to roll back to somebody here who had a question though, because I can give him a quick answer. Yeah, that one. I want to hear that. Green goldfish pond. I have a goldfish pond that went green. How do I keep the algae out? So if the pond itself went green, you have the single cell algae suspended in the water. And the fastest way to get rid of that is a barley straw bale. And no one can really tell you why it works. They just know that it does. And they know what it's doing, but they don't know how. This algae reproduces very, very quickly, and it actually dies very quickly. And the barley straw does something, and nobody knows what, because apparently it's not important enough to find out with your tax dollars. It's more important to find out, like, you know, are frogs gay or something. And uh, it interferes with the replication of the algae. So it can't reproduce, so it quickly dies out. The other solution is it needs light. So if you have water hyacinth, azola, duckweed, anything, and you put a total cap on your water, right, and then you don't get enough sunlight through, you're going to have it die out. So both of those will work for you. You can filter your fucking ass off. It won't go anywhere because it's so small it goes right through the filter. Go ahead, John. So number one, frogs are turning gray. Yes. Number two, I got, I have seven 275-gallon IBC totes. We just completely pumped out to zero, fresh-watered them so they were crystal clear, and within two weeks, those fish going in there, and I didn't have enough plants sucking out, we're exactly back to complete green because we never painted the side and we never enclosed the sides. So they're getting light 360 degrees, and that's why we put the, that's why we put the water hyacinth in there to kind of cover the top. But I will definitely check those barley. It's, it's, and they're little, right? They're little. They're made for ponds. They're they're like four by four inches or so. Yeah, it depends on the size of your pond, and they'll tell they'll tell you like if you buy them on Amazon or whatever, they'll say treats X gallons, and just take that and divide that number like seventy percent of that number. Got they, it. they they get a little hot. It's like you know these two way radios go two miles. Yeah, if there's a good reflection in your dead line of sight type thing. So, so about seventy percent of. Anyway, so much. Go ahead. Nick Ferguson was here. We bought fodder trees. Nick's here next week. We're putting in our, our swales next week. We're doing about an acre of fodder trees all together. Bob Lester there, he was here when Nick was here. Um, Nick's been out to Bob's house, I believe, and he's putting in acres of trees as well. Um, hybrid, hybrid white mulberry, hybrid willow, and hybrid poplar is what we're putting in there. And, and my man right there, he he's only been wrong one percent. If he would just him and David Ike, if they would throttle back one percent, the lizard people shit and all, they would be great. Yeah. However, however, as crazy as the lizard people shit is, 
we thought all his other shit was crazy too. We might ought to, we might ought to keep just a, a, an open mind on the lizard people. For, for the audio only people, there is a picture on the screen right now of Alex Jones shrieking with frogs in both ears and it says gay frogs because otherwise you have no idea what John's talking about. He's right. Like Jones has only been wrong like that one, two percent of the time. Absolutely. I mean, we do have Admiral Byrd came back from the expedition and on national television said, we saw Nazis flying around in UFOs and we went inside the earth and met a race of people and we're never going to have to rely on anything for energy again. He said that on national television and then nothing else happened. Like that was the end of it. Yeah. I will believe when I say that. that, I was trying not to laugh too loud so you can still hear John, but that was like, (laughs) ever go to old school survival boot camp in Ohio and is it worth it? I pass. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. Okay. Sorry. If anybody in the comments knows, write your comment about that. So I don't know anything about that, but you can get with, um, not Cody London. What's the other guy's name? I know him. What's his name? Canterbury. Canterbury. Canterbury's got, You can go to his place. He's got cabins. You want to learn how to do some live off the land with nothing kind of stuff, man. Canterbury's very active and he's accessible. Like you can, if, if we're having this conversation, you should check out his YouTube and his Facebook page. He's very active on that. Yeah. He's a good dude. Don't, the shit you hear about him from discovery. Don't believe that shit. It was yeah, whatever. I mean, we had discovery yeah. here. We know how that goes. Yeah. They, they, they prepper here. They filmed it here in town for three days. They enhanced his resume, told him yeah. to sign off on it, and then used it to shit can him two years later when he didn't fit their agenda anymore. So yeah. there you go. That's that's my opinion. Okay. Somewhat informed opinion. Essential garden and farm tools, totes, and stock tanks. Would you have? How many can you afford? I like to have way more shit than I ever need. I really, really love, for instance, the thirty-two gallon brute trash cans. The lids latch on them. I haven't had any rodents come through them. I can keep feed out in them. I can put two 50-pound bags of feed at each station where I'm feeding, and I never have a weather problem. Even when the weather blows the trash can, the lid doesn't come off. I need 10. Last year, they were super hard to find. I have bought an extra 20, but I I have four shipping containers full of extras. When I buy shovels, I buy 12 shovels at a time, and every time I do that, I'm like, imagine if you had to build a shovel. So that's kind of how I look at things. You, you said you use for the feed storage, you use the 32-gallon rubber maids. Is that what you said? And yeah, I use got, them too. They've got a 75 with wheels, and the yeah. wheels are rigid. They're not hollow. They're, they're yeah. really quality. They're expensive, man. You're talking $150 trash can. But yeah. Whole, but, man, I could I could put – you could put me and Nicole in there, and we could do races around with those <laughs> things on gravel. So I'm just saying, if you ever need to get rid of a body, no one would think twice if they saw a big trash can in the back of your Not truck that, or the ratchet strap, right? You need to stage things out where you're, conf- where you're commonly at, right? Guys come in and break in your house. They're probably not looking in your feed bin for things. Just, you know, yeah. do whatever, whatever direction you could bury them to. Yeah. yeah, and if you keep your dog food in one too, then the dogs get really protective of them, and that dude's looking for my food, so I got to yeah. eat them. Yeah, we do. We all, all the feeds go in those, man. And if you make, need to make things go away, somebody earlier said, I caught the comment, we didn't respond to it. We were talking about the onions. He said, black soldier fly larva will eat onions. Black soldier fly larva will just, I'm going to say, eat everything. They eat yeah, everything except like rocks and steel. 
I so, thought we used raw meat to attract them. Yeah, they they like raw meat. They yeah, eat they like food. everything. They're like us. When the good food's running out, they will eat the other less good food. So you're going to put aquaponics inside your basement. I know why. Okay. Because that yeah, sounds horrible to me it. with mold. Right. And I said, look at the humidity. But they want to overwinter beds. I suggested they put their sump under below surface in Iowa and put a stock tank feeder in it if they needed to keep it going. And she may be pumping it in for... For beds in the Got basement it. with grow lights, where I think they already have a grow system. And but, what and what's the aquaponics for? Like we freeze solid. I don't even winterize my system anymore. I'll have six, seven. I'll have seven ice cubes in these two hundred. I'll have literally frozen. You can put your hands down beside. They've shrunk up so much. We'll have a couple pipes when it defrosts. We'll cut out the breaks, put in the new pieces. The fish freeze solid, or I think they're solid. The <laughs> fish we and we buy new fish every year. And when we net them out, the old fish are always there also. Like this cold doesn't – so we could just shut our system down. We really just turn the pumps off, and that's all we do for winter. Yeah, I shut yeah. My, my bed. I drain my two wicking beds. I leave the oven flow bed on, and then I put a stock tank heater in my sump. And it's – we haven't – we've only gone below zero once, and it was one night, and nothing froze. Like, the oven flow bed, because the water's moving and it's warmed by that sock tank heater, did fine. Yeah. If, it, if it was going to be, like, below zero for a couple of days, I would maybe drain the oven flow bed, too. And my sump is below grade, so it's got the insulative right. powers. Yeah, and- somebody told somebody to shut the fuck up and dug a two-foot hole for you and put your sump below grade for you. Remember Somebody that. did not make <laughs> to dig that said hole without hitting the rock, which is why I'm getting a Miyagi. Yeah. Because we can't bury the sump on the new system because there's a rock bigger than my house apparently in the way. So I was thinking about your place and thinking you need a mini X and just take it down by that creek and you need to make yourself a pond in that creek and let it overflow and then you have a constant water flow through and if well I have a constant water flow pond if Nicole right now had a mini X from a, from my spring you um, she has like she can't fathom what having a mini X is because when you have a mini X it is a force multiplier it's like Sigourney yeah. Weaver is able to throw the alien out of the out of the bay on the spaceship. Because yeah. of the gym suit, that's what a mini X is. Like I use, I use a mini X and a skid steer every single. I even use my skid steer just because I like driving it so much. I take the trash out with it. Do like, you have a grabber on your mini X? Oh, the grabber's the best. Yes, yeah, a thumb. Yeah, a thumb. I, yeah, I the grabber's the shit, man. Because you can like rub out trees, just pick them up, flip them over, and start just piling up hoogle. Well, mounds, you can take like. big trees too, hold them up in the air. And yeah. You, them. you don't have to buck them. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're badass. Okay, so the rednecks better not see this broadcast now because they're going to start agitating for a mini X in the hollow. You really need one, though. That's like, the plan, like If man. you got together with a group or find – who built that giant-ass house up the way from you? That dude probably has a mini X. He has a Kubota he's, tractor. Okay. That's how we move pigs when we process Yeah, them. like that, yeah. that, that dude, that money, he's got a mini X. Um, somebody said, um, angry prepper wasn't angry prepper on, I don't know if he was, I met him. Uh, we went up a couple days after the tornadoes into Benton, Kentucky, and we met bear independence crew up there. We took our, my wood processor up there and 800 pounds of rice. And we met that dude. That dude was super cool. Like that dude's just like you think he is on video. Um, he left rather than taking the shot 
he was he left uh, New York City fire, like big New York City fire. And he's kind of last I heard he was talking about Texas. I don't know if he's relocated or not. We will find out. But all the work you saw I did was done with a, with an excavator, like a bigger excavator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need an excavator. I've got a guy. I've got a guy who lives by me who's willing to come out for half a day whenever he feels like it. And as long as he's paid cash, I get a very good price. Yeah. That's been my. But I, I I'm not going to argue with you if any ex would be. I would be on that thing all the time. Tactical says he wants an, uh, an excavator and dynamite. And dynamite. Now, I'm not sure want tactical to have dynamite. Tactical. Yeah, if, yeah, you, Jack knows. if you get with any of the, the any of the um, wildlife guys, all your wildlife guys have explosives for uh, beaver dams. You hear them detonating shit here all the time. Make friends with one of those guys and get that guy to bring a piece of equipment or whatever you need over there. Like, if you make friends with the highway guys, the T dot yeah. guys, man, you'd be amazed what can happen. Is, is somebody that grew up in mining country and broke in, like the Statue of Limitations are up, broke into mining shacks and played with dynamite as a teenager? I don't advise it. There's a lot of guys back in my hometown running around, not from dynamite, but from the blasting caps, missing fingers about my age. And the further you go back in time, like my dad's age, there's more per capita of like a few fingers missing from blasting caps. And nowadays, like you, if you see dynamite nowadays, a lot of it is so old, like yeah. it's super unstable. Yeah. yeah, but it's fun to play with. I had to replace a bunch of windows once, so I didn't get my ass beat. I'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Next question. Oh, I don't have an answer for this one either. Do any of you three do biogas? And the answer for me is no. I was going to say, I have an answer. You're just not going to like it. No. <laughs> I had an old stove. We bought a new stove, a new, an old gas stove, and I put it out in the back barn, and I was going to make the simple, like, big blue barrel, smaller blue barrel, upside down on top of it, biogas thing with the weight on it. And then six years later, I was like, somebody take this fucking stove out of here. I never <laughs> So if you want to do, I don't know much about biogas, but I do know that military uses fuel blivets, right? They use these big, huge, yes. they look like giant water beds, and you yes. can get them up to like 10,000, 50,000 gallons. They put fuel in them, and I have read that guys use those as their, their fuel tanks for those things. I've also heard of guys using old uh, water bed mattresses to put that stuff in as well. I don't know enough about it. So there is a, we just talked about this last week with Sean Mills on my show for off grid stuff. There is, I'm looking for it right now. There is a toilet system for off grid and there's a piece of it that they refer to as a fart sack. And it basically, as you're processing your septic, this, it's like a blivet, but it's designed into this system and it produces pressurized biogas for that kind of use. And he said really the only real legitimate use for it is like, for a burner and for cooking, but I'm going to find it right now. And y'all can take back over and I'll yeah, get I, Somebody in the Tennessee network was going to put in that kind of system that would give them methane to cook with from their, their composted poop. And when they realized the size of the hole they had to dig, they decided not to do it in their particular place. So there might be one available for sale here. At a slightly discounted rate. I did see somebody had something for sale. Or maybe it's increased, but uh, I was thinking about putting one off one of my guest cabins just as a demo 
and I still haven't mentally decided to dig that hole, probably because I don't have a mini excavator. So if anybody listening to this wants to just send one to the hauler, that would be perfect. Into the world, it seems like a cool idea. They've got this other thing you might not know about. It's called propane, and it's super easy to move around. Uh, we're putting in 500-gallon tanks, but I have 50 barbecue tanks here on the side, and, and we just – I mean, I spent – 15 years living literally with no heat or air in my house because I wanted to see if we could do it, right? Toughen us up. And I thought, the end of the world's coming. The end of the world's coming. The end of the world's coming. And Jack, I was standing, I was literally at my desk facing this direction in the old building listening to one of the podcasts and he goes, you've got all these dudes running around living in the woods and living in caves and shit. And before you know it, 10 years have gone by, 20 years have gone by. And you've spent half your life waiting for society to collapse, and it never collapsed. And that's the day I bought a Range Rover that day. And that's the day I started, like, I, I took, I wore something other than a T-shirt, and I started going and doing things and living again, right? I'm sure my wife is a lot happier because of it. But now we're able to do both. But the biodigester thing, propane's so simple. Into the world, Gilligan's Island kind of shit, 100%, man, 100%. But I've just got so many other things to do that are so much easier to do than a biodigester right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, you're having to take a waste product to make it. And you could just as easily use that waste product to make compost and grow food that you can eat. And I, propane is expensive, I guess, if you're trying to, like, run your whole life with it. But... Man, there's a, there's something to be said for convenience, and like you, John, I have a bunch of freaking grill tanks, and I've got a pig, and I I don't know, man. It's that's a, it's I'm into the thing of like, why don't you have bees? Because I don't need one more fucking thing to do. That's because why. because my neighbor ten acres over has bees, and her yeah. bees are here all the time. Yeah, they, they don't gonna... they don't bees don't believe in fences. Yeah, They're, the yeah. bees are the ultimate anarchists, right? Because they have their yeah. collective. But they only do their own thing in their collective. They don't bother anybody else, and they go do whatever the fuck they want, and they don't care. Bees and ants. are willing to live with two queens in their hive, too. Um, 53-acre guy, you say you want to cut grass. Are we talking about nothing cuts lawns better than a lawn mower? Now, if you're talking about cutting grass for animals, that's a different animal. I will tell you, as a dude who's done both, I've got a 35-horsepower John Deere out here. It runs a bush hog pretty good. It doesn't lift. It doesn't do anything else very good at all. I have a mower, two mowers out here that mow so fast, I can't run them at full speed because they'll throw you off, and I can cut every piece of grass on the property in under 60 minutes. So back to how much is your time worth, right? And then I have a skid steer, which is a commercial piece of equipment. It's a 75. I didn't buy the 95. When you buy new equipment, it has to be 74 and a half horsepower or under to not have to have death. So if you buy big equipment, it has to have death, and there's a bunch of nonsense that comes with that thing. That machine, I can pick a car up and flip it over. I can pick logs up with it. I can dig holes with it. I mean, it is amazing what you can do with it. And I run them day, night. I've got glass windshield, wipers, lights. I can do everything with that thing. So – just kind of think about like when you are building your property, commercial equipment is much better. At some point you might want wheeled equipment. I try to run the commercial property in the fields where we're growing grass and soil. I try to keep that to a minimum 
and I pretty much just use four-wheelers with trailers through there for the most part. And I would if have, I had 53 acres of grass, I'd have cows. Yeah, I'd have sheep. Sheep, cows, something. Some ruminant that does, like, eats the grass. food that makes food. It's food I didn't know your food. He said it's just grass, not, not pasture. pasture but, but you can fix that with some seeds. And, and I don't know what is what is pro. If I had 53 acres and 20 of it was in woods, woods are very important. Like yes. woods are underground lake. Woods are, you know, heat production. Woods are animals. You can run other stuff through there. So to keep that in wood and not have to worry about that, if you're in, if you've got five acres grass, rest is forest. So you okay. might want to open some of that forest. But I would definitely keep a lot of the forest. So Sounds only five like acres, yeah. Puts it from a permaculture person to come help him figure out how to make this property easy to maintain. And on 53 like, acres. Oh, I don't know, Nick Ferguson or somebody like that who can help you get a big picture plan. And then that will help you decide which kind of equipment you need. Because five acres of grass, in my opinion, is still way too much mowing. If that's yeah. all, if all you're doing, unless you're like doing a golf course or something, it's too much mowing for me personally. And John's right. If you do want to mow that, like zero turns are the way to do that. Yeah, There's... that's a lot. So I use, I've got, I say grass, but I, I run rabbits and chickens and we move them every day. And every time we move them, I've got, man, there's this thing called a whizzer. It's a automatic, it's a battery powered seeder. You pull the trigger and it, it seeds. So I've got deer forage plot in there. I've got white clover, red clover, fescue, rye. And I just, I overseed. So yes, it will grow grass, but right now if you go out there, it's 90% clover and my clover is like 12 inches tall. Well, and earlier he did say he was trying to convert some or all of it to deer plot. So. Yeah. That's not a bad 53 acres and five acres of deer plot. Okay. And it's. It, it looks like a zero turn. It's term, a stand on. It's called a stand on. He doesn't stand on it though. He walks behind it. It goes faster than the stand on. Like he gets mine done in 20 minutes. So, and that's something else too. Like I added some battery power stuff. Um, I, I bought the cobalt chainsaw first because it was available at Lowe's and their warranty policy is we give you a new one when it breaks, but they don't really carry them anymore. Scully oh. had a 40 volt DeWalt chainsaw and we cut on a property up here, a couple acres up here. They chopped down for a church. And they gave us all the limbs. So we spent five days running gas saws, commercial gas saws. And damned if that DeWalt, he, all he had to do was put bar oil and change batteries. It's got a built-in sharpener on it. It was insane how much he was able to cut while we were messing with saws. Whoa, so, wait up, wait, wait. DeWalt has a built-in sharpener now? Had a built-in, and he had the 40 volt. They're up to a 60 now. Cause. So, I've been a fan of the Oregon. It's not as good, but it had the built-in sharpener. Yeah, I, yeah. Scully oh, I must have this. So Same. because I bought that, I bought a walk-behind mower, and I used that walk-behind mower to mow clover into a bag to feed the animals with. And I just thought it'd be cool because I already had a bunch of batteries for the other tools, and it's super quiet. And this this And it's cheap. This walk-behind mower is very inexpensive compared to the Milwaukee and the DeWalt's and all these others. But when you – pull the trigger, it will run that thing out of your hands. It'll move faster than you want to move. Now, DeWalt has one out now that takes dual batteries. And, and man, if, if you haven't seen batteries, for guys that don't know, you're $150 for a damn battery. So, I mean, it, yeah. the batteries cost some money. Yeah. That actually solved a huge problem I've had. 
because I have not bought my battery operated chainsaw. And, and now you're buying all the Milwaukee. And I have no, I have Dewalt. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I didn't want to get an Oregon. Got it. It's like well, now you have Milwaukee too. And now I have too. Milwaukee too. So yeah. yeah. Now that thing, we went crazy in the roasting shack yesterday, vacuuming all the things. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. And that battery that that I gave you will run. That thing will run like two hours on that. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. It's we're loving it. I need to have like a hanging rack for the vacuum. I like it so much. I bought two more of them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Wait, we had one more question. Maybe. Nope. All I got at this point, guys, is I use my Ninja for pulverizing eggshells, which just made me smile because I use my fingers. Okay. So why, Ninja. why are we pulverizing eggshells? Well, they're doing it for calcium for the birth, but I find they decompose better when you don't put whole ones in the dirt. So, so I, I sprinkle them around to add calcium back. So I used the Ninja to yeah. make to pulverize, and we threw it out there, and they ate it. And when I don't, and I just throw out half eggshells, I throw out 120 at a time. They also eat those. those. So yeah. I'm assuming they get just as much calcium. Without, I don't think you have to grind them up. If yeah, we feed them to the ducks, too. They just eat them. They won't compost well. What, what Jack? I said, we feed them to the ducks, too. They just eat them. We just put the shells in the compost shit. We just dump it in the compost, and they eat it. They We're getting like so many eggs. eggs right now. When I get really dirty poop-covered eggs, I just bust them on the walls, and, the, and they eat those, too. Yeah. We don't even, I don't even bother cleaning them anymore if we have so many. Pole saw. I've got a DeWalt. I, no, I don't have a DeWalt pole saw. I've got a Milwaukee I have a Ryobi pole saw. You can see what's happening in my battery charging station here, guys. I got, we talk I got five colors, yeah. Yeah, now you know why I want to add Oregon. <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> is this a thing? We, we're yeah. fighting. Fighting moderators. Go ahead. <laughs> I have piles of lumber, been outside in the element two winters. What should I do with it? Was thinking of adding it to a cinder block keyhole garden. What kind of extra wood? Lumber wood so, or firewood? Here, there is no such thing as extra wood. If it's dimensional lumber and it's beyond six inches, it's in a shipping container. When the KUFAS first started, we thought I should buy some raised beds, right? I should make some raised beds. So Amanda and I went to Lowe's, and I bought too much wood to bring home. So we brought home what we could, went back and bought more. I literally filled up a shipping container of two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, and two-by-eights, and two-by-twelves. That wood right now... Literally is worth. I don't. I, I probably have about two grand in it. It's probably worth eight thousand bucks right now. Yeah, you're lumberish, dude. Yeah. So anything beyond six inches, any little cuts, we have fifty-five gallon trash cans full of those. We will use them someplace. If it's old wood, then that's a, that's a different animal. Is it actually on the ground? Is it absorbing moisture? Is it rotting away? And if the answer is no, all you got to do is crib that up a little bit. And it will stop rotting for the most part. You can even throw you say it's two by fours, four by fours, and two by sixes. I would check that. it to see if it's rotten. If it's not rotten, you can still use it. Yeah. And you can sell it right you, now. You could dry it back out. I like this person. He's after my heart here. If it turns gray, it's worth twice as much for trim. Yeah, we call that barnwood. Well, then you take your dimensional. You know, inch and a half, it's a slowly two-inch lumber. You throw it on a table saw and cut it down at three quarters, and you double it and sell this trim for twice as much for each piece. And so you, you should also quadruple its value, right? You just use your you use your table saw like a little sawmill. You set your gate, wham, if it's a two-by-six, you flip it over, wham. Now you got two pieces of trim 
instead yep. of one piece of trim. And you should also check your wood between Lowe's and Home Depot. I have not verified this. I've seen a lot of guys saying in the group, so that the dimensional lumber is smaller. I think they said Lowe's is smaller when you buy a two by four. It's smaller than the two by four you get from Home Depot. I don't know that to be fact, but I would definitely look at it when you are buying your wood. That's worth doing a video on. If it's true. Yeah. Yeah, if it pans out. Yeah. Rot is different than just turning dark. Yeah. And I mean, I had some wood here that was kind of rotted, and I was going to keep it and just use it as firewood. And one of my guys is like, man, there's no, there's no, there's no heat left in that, right? It's all, it's all dead. It's just rotted. So. I mean, it just, we have so much firewood saved up at this point. We didn't need to save that. Otherwise, we would have. I mean, you can always use it in a fire ring or something, though. Just just host a spring workshop and have a campfire, and all of that kind of wood will be gone that you need to get rid of that's half rotten. You don't think it's rotten? So I'm taking IBC totes at this point. We're taking the bladders out of them. We're using them to put cut firewood in because... I have, a, I have a forklift attachment for the front of my skid steer, and I can move those right into truck beds, or I can move them anywhere on the property. And then we're going to take the bladder that goes inside the IBC tote, cut it, and then cap the top so the rain kind of runs off of these things. Ah. So you're using, the ca you're using the cage to hold the wood. That's right. That's right, with the base, because I can move them with the forklift. That's right. And they're great for, they're, man, lizards get in them. Snakes get in them. Yeah. Cats get in them. Yeah. I totally want my firewood and IBC totes ever since I heard about that yeah. option. Well, I mean, don't have firewood delivered, including lizard and cat. Yes. <laughs> Invasive species. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's just super easy. And I have this Wolf Ridge firewood processor that's literally borderline commercial. It's got a lift gate. Like, we don't ever touch the wood. I can take an excavator or I can take a claw and move the heaviest wood that we could never roll. Even two guys couldn't roll this stuff. If it'll fit on the gate, we can lift it. And my wedge is a four-way wedge. So when it cuts, it cuts four pieces. And then it's a hydraulic wedge. So I cut four pieces, raise the wedge, and cut it again. And then there's a, there's a conveyor belt that I'm going to add to it. And that's the conveyor belt will drop your piles so your footprint's not as big, but your pile's taller. So we can full of, we can put them in a trailer. We can put them in IBC totes from there. We can put them wherever we want them with a conveyor. And, Jack, you get to see this thing in person in June. When yeah. It's pretty legit, man. That's going to be. When, uh, when they were talking about closing everybody down, I bought this piece of equipment with the thought that should this really be real, we will be able to process and sell firewood should should we need to, and I'll still be able to keep my guys employed. So we added that processor with that. I wanted it also, but that that made it a lot easier to buy it. Make Ergo Wu says some first step ideas for transitioning. Transitioning to what? What are we transitioning? What are you talking? City to country. Who do you think I think I am? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We could be talking about transitioning to. A New normal, or we could be uh, talking about transitioning to a energy descent, or what the fuck are we transitioning to? Yeah, I realized that the great reset is really the great resets I do on my garden beds every year, and those sorts of things. Okay, yeah, how to go from corporate job site to landowner making their own money? 
Only there was a conference about this next week. When's the con? Where's that? <laughs> Exit and Build is in Bastrop, Texas. Yeah. Are you? Exit and Build Land Summit.com. You can watch all the, well, not all the sessions, but many of the sessions for free online or you can come in person. Here's my thought on that. Guys ask me all the time, twice, twice this weekend, hey, I want to quit my job and I want to run my own business full time. And then I'm like, yeah, you should totally do that. And then they've got a hundred reasons, but insurance at the other job, or I've been at the other job 15 years, or I'm, I'm probably not the dude to ask that, right? Because I'm going to be like, you should go home right now and light your house on fire and then move to your new place or go to your job and burn those bridges. Like I don't, I don't ever, I've got 10 plans forward. I don't ever have a backwards plan though. And I, I always question why guys aren't willing to do that. Because every time I've been forced to do that, it's always not just a good step. It's such beyond anything you could have. Like, dudes told us, here's an example. Guys told us all the time, you should take credit cards. And I'm like, nah, my stuff's so good. If you want my stuff, you'll just mail me cash. You'll send me a check, right? And they did. The month we started taking credit cards, we sold 10x what we did. did. Always. Because if you make it easy for your customer to give you money, they give you more money. And that's this thing. Burn the boats. Like if, if you think what you – have you proven it? Do you know that you can make some money doing it? When you have no other choice to go backwards, you will always make forward work. You know, it's funny. I have always given advice on this about how to methodically make this transition. And I had an event at my place this over the last week. It was a four-day event. And we had a lot of – entrepreneurs talking about how they went from A to B and what they did. And the theme that came out that's making me rethink everything I've ever talked to anybody about, about advice on this is every single one of them, except for Jack Spierko that I know has a story about how they wanted something different and had to make a sudden change and sink or swim. And, but they recommend you have some savings or more savings than they had. And I think what some of that is, is in hindsight, it would have been easier had I not had any debt when I jumped out into being running my own thing. But I had to jump when I had to jump. And I saw the moment. I saw the opportunity. I took the opportunity. And I think maybe seeing the opportunity, taking the opportunity, and having that decision in your mind, the mindset to make the decision, to make it work no matter what, whether it's starting with an egg business that ends up being a coffee roasting business, which is what I did or, or any of the other stories I heard. It's more mindset than anything else and not giving up and making sure you're seeing it through. And for some of us having the pressure of, if I don't do this right, I can't pay my mortgage might be what you need. I don't know. Now I'm going back and rethinking all of the advice I've given on the money side of this, the house, the health insurance thing. I'm going to say bullshit. Your job doesn't give you free health insurance. And the, and the truth is, if you went and bought health insurance, you're probably going to get a better health insurance policy because you're going to shop it, and you're probably going to pay the same or less than what you're paying. Do, can you really not are, – are you planning to go into some kind of business where you're not going to be able to make enough money to pay for your health insurance? Why don't you just buy health insurance? Just get your own policy. Have you even looked? I think it depends. Like we, we pay 12 grand a year for Dorothy and me and it doesn't cover fucking shit. I mean, so, yeah. it, and that's like the best we can do. Um, I don't even go to the fucking doctor. I ain't been to the doctor right. other than for injury since 1993 was the last time I was the doctor for something other than an acute injury. 
Yep. Uh, I don't take any pharmaceuticals, and I we still and I have I have insurance so that like if I get in a car wreck or I need cardiothoracic surgery or something, I don't go bankrupt. That's what that's what my insurance is for, right? Now the transition thing, like I did a transition, but what it took was going to bed at midnight, waking up at three in the morning, right? So I literally created a second eight hours a day to work, right? So like if you if you want to do it that way, just understand like. Yeah, you get the security of the transition, but you don't get, there's no free ride in that shit, right? That's when people say like, man, you blew up overnight. Like, I didn't see your fucking ass in my way at 3 (laughs) a.m. when I was coming down the stairs like this, you know, making coffee and and getting everything ready for for production that day. And then I was still working sometimes 8, 9 o'clock at night in my, you know, corporate gig, which was, that was even my own company. I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I didn't really transition in the way that he's asking because what I left behind was a different business that I was an owner in. I wasn't a sole owner, but I was a co-owner in actually three companies. I just hated what we were doing at that point. Which so, would probably be even harder to leave. Yeah, actually it was because like when I was like, okay, like I'm, I've done this long enough. I'm fucking out of here. My, my, my partner was like, man, I, I need six. Can you do six more months for me, please? And I was like, I'll do that. And then, of course, at the end of six months, like, could you stick? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're done now, right? But, like, so even with what you're saying, Nicole, I didn't really, like, I didn't have, like, a job working at a factory on swing shift or something and then, like, do this other thing on the side. I was running. I just added a company, and when I added that company, I didn't make it part of the conglomerate. I'm like, I'm going to make something for myself over here. Amanda said the best was somebody, somebody had asked me about it and I gave them the answer and they're like, but I don't want to work as hard as you do. <laughs> well, I, I think that's, if you look at, I make a video. Valid. I make that a, about yourself. <laughs> I make a video at 4 a.m. every morning and I think people don't comment on it because they're not seeing it till 8 and they don't want their comment to say 8 o'clock on it, right? Yeah. Anyone's do it. Set, set an alarm. Most, the, the reality is most people, I look at my day in six four-hour days. I'm going to sleep for six. I'm going to get up and do the shit I have to do for six. I'm going to work for six, and that gives me another six, except I actually use all those 12. Most people, when you get off of work, if you're working a nine-to-five, you've got five to ten typically. What do those hours look like? Like, Imagine what you could do if you found something that you enjoyed doing and could produce something and then took it every weekend and sold it. And then something I've heard both Jack and Toolman Tim Cook say is if you're going to start, like, start the side hustle with that time. Yeah. And the money that comes in for that goes in the savings account and you don't touch it. So you don't become dependent on your job plus that money because then you're never going to transition. And it's very easy to spend more money when yeah. you have more money. And when you're starting a business, if you can go five years, the business can pay your expenses if it has to, right? But the business doesn't buy you toys. It doesn't buy you vacations. If you're a business owner, you don't get their vacation doesn't exist for five years. You want to see your family? Your family comes to your business or hopefully your business. We have built everything we do is built into my family and business here on one property. Now, my kids grew up. I saw my kids more than most people see their kids in their entire lives because my kids are with me all the time. My wife is on the property all the time. It's, we're just lucky that it's big enough now that we can not see each other when we're arguing or having a little, a little spat or whatever. But 
if if you just had that built into it, I don't I don't know why I even started. I don't know where I was going with this. No, but I mean you're you're on it because like if you think about like as far as like the work, the dedication, and how you were talking about how much you take out, right? Like yeah. and you don't buy toys and shit. You cover your expenses. So if you watch shows like Shark Tank, you'll see sometimes like the sharks are kind of interested. Like the numbers seem pretty attractive and all. And they'll ask the guy, well, how much of your own money you put in? The guy will give a good answer. Be like, you know, we, I sunk 150,000 when we started and I, you know, I, I put in another 50 in the second year. And then, but they'll say like, well, what are you paying yourself for a salary right now? Because they do have good cash flow. And the guy's like, well, I'm paying myself a quarter million a year. And they're all like, no, fuck this. Cause yeah. like you're in an, an incubator state with your business and you're paying yourself a quarter million dollars a year and you're asking for our money into your business, like, fuck off, get out of here, right? Yeah. And you have to have that mindset. Like, for the first three years, almost everything I I had went back into making the show better one way or another. And I'm not a, I'm not a physical product guy, right? Yes. Like, if you're a physical product guy, you really need to be reinvesting because if John adds a sewing machine, then John can put another guy to work, and then that's another investment and another overhead, but he can make more equipment and ship more equipment, right? So... Five Depending years. on what you're going to do. This is why I personally prefer a non-physical product business because the scalability is there. But anybody can mimic my business. Like if you want to mimic John's business, you got to go make a serious investment to do it. So there's trade-offs on both sides of that. Five years is the difference between 10000 a month and 100000 a month. It's literally yeah. if, you can, if you can put your money into there. Even if, even if the money stays there, you can manipulate it, maneuver it so that you don't have to pay tax on it. But five years, I didn't buy a tractor. The corporation bought a tractor. I didn't buy those trucks. The corporation leases those trucks. So, I mean, there's there's ways to maneuver everything and still be able to benefit by the assets. That's why a lot of guys set up non, you know, NGOs. They'll set up NGOs to buy equipment, and then they can use them on their on the you know when they're not being used. They have access to them. Well, and if so, if I buy a uh, a number two John Deere front end loader, right, and I just buy it as Jack Spearco, okay, then I spent my money and I bought that piece of equipment and I have no deduction. If I buy it with my company, then I depreciate it over five, six years. I've created an expense, right? Which one of those is better? Which one lets me actually keep more of my money? Yep. And people don't think that way. And when you go into business, you have to be careful because there's a lot of shit employers pay for the the guys that have jobs don't understand there's a burden labor rate that's way higher. Like I make $20 an hour. So you cost me 40. That's just kind of in my head from back in the day. And it's worse now. Um, But there is a point where it kind of flips. And the point where it really flips is when you start making enough money that you're making enough money that you hit the cap on your social security. Cause that's a huge burden to an employer is your matching SSI. Once you flip that, then everything kind of – because by then you've absorbed the cost of your insurance. You've absorbed all of your own burden labor rate that you never thought of before. And then every single deduction is just compounding the money that you're actually getting to keep. And a lot of shit in a business, if you're smart, turns into phantom expenses. And if you don't know what that means, you need a better CPA and you need more tax strategy. You need to talk to some professionals about that when you start to roll some real money in because – you should be stacking so much more actual money because just face it, the people that wrote those freaking laws, they're all rich and they wrote it for themselves. They wrote it to prey on the person that goes to work for 15, 18 bucks an hour and, and they just suck money out of them and their employer. Right. But 
when it comes to your running your own enterprise, if my, my CPA says is also like, if I buy this, can I deduct it? And she's always like, well, it depends on how you buy it, when you buy it, and what you justify it with. And I'm like, well, answer those fucking questions for me, and then I'll do it that way, right? Like, like tell me how to do it. How do I structure this to make this work? Or we're going to buy this expensive thing. Is there a way I can do it instead of depreciating it over six years that I can push it into accelerated depreciation and take all the depreciation up front? And sometimes the answer is no, but sometimes the answer is, well, if you wait till this day with this incentive, you can do that. And I don't care if I paid a hundred bucks for that phone call. Like, fine. I just, I just saved 20 grand that year on taxes because of a hundred dollar bill for a phone call. Don't be afraid to pay good people to give you good advice or don't do that. You go to jail and I'll save any money, but I don't go to jail. I don't lose my business. Totally worth it too. So when you get, when you're shopping bookkeepers or accountants, I want the accountant that says, do you want to have more money? Or do you want to sleep better at night? And I'm like, I want to be more this way than the other maybe, right? But that's the, I know I've got the right person when we have that conversation. And like a lot of people don't have a concept of this. You see, oh, look at that. Look at that snotty, you know, rich soccer mom driving the G-Wagon. Do you know why they're driving G-Wagons? Do you know why they drive the big Porsches? Because they meet the 6,500 pound threshold for that to be a business expense. So that's like, that's the soccer mom. The wife is driving those cars because that's a deduction. That's a business, that's a business expense. People don't realize that. And while we were talking about equipment, Kubota has 0% financing on construction equipment always. And if you can't, if your credit's too messed up and you can't get that, you need to ask, where do those lease turn-ins go to? Because they're not selling them through Kubota. The used equipment never hits those lots. So if you need to buy some equipment, I was having a conversation. Dude's like, there's no equipment. There's a right, right on the way between Nashville and Nicole's house is the biggest equipment auction that there is in all of Tennessee. And they had tons of equipment there Sunday when we drove past. It's, it's there. You just have to know where to look for it. Yep. Back to the health insurance. Um, yeah. The, the lady. So I've looked at one of those medical sharing plans. It's a health share. Um, for those listening on the audio, they have a higher deductible than my regular insurance and fewer doctors take it. The way a health share works is that you're sharing medical expenses with a community and they assume you will cover normal expenses. That means if, if I end up on some sort of chronic medication, like for diabetes, insulin, They'll cover 90 days of it, and then they, they're expecting you to figure that out. It's a personable, personal responsibility plan. Important to know that when you go in because it is not insurance. It is not insurance. It is not insurance. It is not insurance. However, it is way better, and if a doctor does not take it, all you need on a medical share system and a health share system is the super bill, and you submit your own paperwork. Yeah, they if a doctor takes it. You can go to any doctor you want. You should be having these conversations yeah. now. You should I, be shopping for doctors right now that will take cash. Cash is better. People, find, find a doctor that doesn't yeah. require. The prices are way lower. And on the opposite of that, you've got Angie Marie here says, I've had multiple sclerosis for 15 years and haven't had health insurance for most of those years until this year. Right. I've just paid, I've just paid as I've needed with a doctor, right. which is a rarity. That is a rarity, but we have, we've started conflating health insurance with health care. 
It's, it's kind of like I've heard people with cavities in their mouth tell me they can't get it fixed because they won't pay. They don't have dental insurance. And I'm like, well, how much, how much is that? Come here. Oh, I'll do it. 600 bucks. I'll, I'll um, do it. You mean to tell me that you have Netflix every month and you can't figure out how to get 600 bucks to fix your mouth and you're in pain every day. I got a guy that'll well, fix and they would right pay, and they would, that person would totally pay $50 a month for dental insurance if they could find it for that price, which is one fucking year and your shit's fixed. If you need dental stuff done and you don't have the money or insurance, you can go to a dental college. Our buddy, Dr. Sherman House, he's a surgeon. He does anesthesia. He'll come here and do a suture lab, whatever. He runs McCary Medical Center, and my employees go to Nashville, and they fix all their stuff right there and send them back. I mean, everywhere has somewhere. You're just not looking at it right. Yeah. And then I had up on the screen DPC. That stands for direct primary care. And this is becoming a huge thing yeah. with doctors. You pay this doctor based on individual or family and a little bit adjusted for age, uh, a set fee a month. It's way less expensive than health insurance. It's not health insurance. Okay. But it goes really good with like a health share program and, uh, what do you call it? The HSAs. Right, the health savings accounts, right? You, you do that trifecta right there. And so what the deep, the, the direct primary care doctor is going to do, you have a problem. Instead of like waiting three weeks to go see a doctor for something that'll be resolved by then and you suffer through it, you make a phone call. And he's like, yeah, you have that fucking problem. You need this prescription. I'll take it over the phone and boom, you go pick it up. Or I want you to have this lab, but instead of spending a shitload of money on it, they have a direct relationship with LabCorp. You go in yeah. and you pay out of pocket, but it's cheap. And it's cheaper than the damn insurance. And then you pay for it with your health savings account, which is a pre-tax deductible thing. And any money that's left in that account, when you go to retire, you can convert it to an IRA, right? So, like, you have to start thinking about this. Instead of, I want this one thing to replace this one thing, can I actually make a better solution, even if it costs a little bit more with multiple pieces parts? Because I haven't met anybody yet that's like, I love my health insurance, Nobody fucking says that. They're like, well, they pay for it, and they don't pay for it. it John, explain that. I, I, I can't. You can, do, you can do telehealth, too. Yeah. You can get online, and not only can you do telehealth, they have telehealth that will give you prescriptions with AI. So if you want to do an AI telehealth, in nine minutes, they can do it, and it's 30 bucks. If you want to do telehealth with a person, it's typically one day to get the appointment, and it's $95. But they'll prescribe you... Hormones, testosterone, antibiotics, right over telehealth. And then if you need lab work, you go to LabCorp. My my hormones guy, my guy that does testosterone and lab stuff, he handles our clients all over the United States because all they need is a LabCorp. And then it, it yep. goes into the portal. He has to eat Skypes with you. Your chemicals or hormones come straight to your house, FedEx. Like, we don't – you don't have to do medical the way we've been doing medical all these times. Dr. Barry – was our family doctor for 15 years. He does all the TAC response guys too. I'm like, man, give me an appointment that's actually at the time you tell me to be here, and I'll pay you $200 more to not have to sit in this with all the coughing people, right? And Ken's to the point where he could he could just take private customers and do no insurance. Yeah. There's tons of doctors doing that. And I, I gotta say, I don't want to offend anybody because I don't know your life, but I do know a lot of people that tell me all about their health insurance and how they need it and they can't. But these people run to the fucking doctor for every freaking thing. 
Like also, I have, I have in-laws. They run to the doctor for everything. They went to the beach. They came home. The daughter who's like 19, who shouldn't be listening to her parents about when to go to the doctor anyway, like so they're in charge, comes home from the beach and she's itchy skin. So we're going to go to the doctor. Take a freaking bath, put a little calamine lotion on or whatever, and go on with your life. You're not going to die. Like, and I'm not saying anybody complaining here is doing that, but man, like one of my employees back when I was in that world, like we used to mock him. We said, Peter has a personal relationship with his doctor. Like he knows his doctor as well. He knows he's, he's in a doctor every week. Most and, of those, most of those don't look like I want to look. No. A lot of it is self-inflicted and it's just lifestyle design. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing physical stuff because I'm, I'm 50 years old and I'm of the belief that I'm of the belief that every hour I put in right now might extend my quality of life. You know, once I hit 80, 85, right? I want to be the dude at 75 where they're like, holy shit, that dude's 75. I thought he was 55. And I mean, we're standing in a gym that I use all the time, but it's just when guys are like, I can't leave my job medical insurance or I can't because of, right? It, how many, how many televisions do you have in your house right now? How many cable packages do you have? You know, there's, there's always some vice and I have plenty of them, but there's always something you can, you know, subtract in order to be able to do something else. And for context of how to make money, if you don't have the money, for a $200 to $400 tooth extraction, that's one month of donating plasma. That's the other thing. Or semen. Like deciding, I don't have any semen to donate, but deciding to make the money to pay it is part of it. And I know some people have a totally different scale of bill that have gen like genetic heart problems. I get that you're probably going to be stuck. That's not you we're it, talking to. Right. That's not you we're talking to. But it, there are a lot of – when you start digging into what you can do, you find doctors who take cash only. I have a functional medicine specialist who takes cash only. And the way that works is that he is more like a health coach. He will treat me if I have a problem, but he's looking at my lifestyle choices, my diet, the balance of vitamins <laughs> in my um, – <laughs> the balance of vitamins in my blood – whether or not I have semen, all of those things, and, and giving me advice to fix holistically myself. He'll go to herbal remedies before Western medicine, and that's a really good fit for me. And for let me let me tell you, too, on the on the plasma and the, the blood donating thing. I might be wrong on this. Fact check me. If, if you took the thing, I don't think you're – I don't think you're viable. I don't think they'll take your plasma. I've anymore. heard that, but I haven't confirmed it because I, I haven't cared enough to find so out. So your plasma might be worth even more now. Yeah, I'm going to say I know. I know a gentleman. Infection in the lot, but you have to have gone to the government to get the test or whatever where you report it. Your plasma is worth worth more because you have the you can prove you have the antibodies. I know a gentleman. He is not hurting for money. He he works a job. He works for our mutual friend, David uh, Nicole. Uh, he does not hurt for money, but he runs his life on an Excel spreadsheet as far as his spending. He doesn't not have to. He has tons of toys and shit, but he has tons of money he's put aside. He fully funds his Roth IRA every year, given plasma. Plasma. Right? He, this is not some guy down on the corner that's buying, you know, dope with his plasma or whatever. This is a dude that drives any vehicle he wants, lives in whatever house he wants, takes whatever vacation he wants, goes freaking deep sea diving off the Texas coast and spearfishes underneath the oil rigs 
but he donates plasma to fund his Roth IRA. And if you ask him why, I'll say the fact you have to ask why is why you don't have a fully funded friggin' Roth IRA. Right. That's somebody, just, somebody's asking about how, how you get paid for donating blood and plasma. I haven't been in these it. places. I've driven past them. They look like check cashing places in the ghetto, right? So if you ever have to use LabCorp and you go to the ghetto, there's going to be ghetto people there. Go to LabCorp in a little bit nicer area. Drive 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes if you have to. But they used to pay you cash. Now I believe they give you gift cards. So I don't, I don't know how you get paid. Maybe cashier's check. But, but it's a thing. Look it up. It's easy to find. You can find it. Having recently done the research because I decided I wanted to fully fund my Roth IRA by giving plasma. No, I, um, it was a different reason, but I was like, make money how you can make money when you need it. Uh, they, you have to have proof of social security number, proof of your address. That's so and, they can tax you. And then they're tracking it for taxes, yes. But they'll give you basically a Visa cash card, and you can choose to transfer that to your bank account. You can use it to spend with. That's how that works. It's pretty simple. And and they try to make it easy because a lot of a lot of people who donate plasma are not in my situation in life. They're in a less happy situation and they have fewer options. They don't necessarily have bank accounts nor can they get one. That's not everybody though. And as uh, to Jack's point, you know, donate plasma if you gotta donate plasma. Under yeah. Roth IRA. There's nothing wrong with that. The Navy recruiter, haha, I get your joke. But if that's a female recruiter, it's probably the other aspect of that. Uh, that. <laughs> you might, you might want to go on down to MEPS and see what's going on. You Maybe yeah. you haven't been around that. Yeah. That's that's a giant orgy. It's 2022. Anybody can be a semen collector. Yes. Or or a provider. Plasma for Bitcoin. Plasma, Plasma for Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You could, if they give you a prepaid card, you can totally just transfer that into your – uh, your exchange account and buy Bitcoin for it if you that's what you prefer to do. And you can go to somebody like Choice and you could set up a Roth IRA that can hold crypto. We'll have them on the show next month. We have I get questions all the time about Bitcoin and I just kind of repeat what Jack says. But I tell guys like if you're scared of the Bitcoin thing, if, if we're just having the conversation which we seem to have over and over and over and over, get a Cash App account. Yep. Get a cash app account. You can buy 50 bucks of Bitcoin. You can buy a dollar. You can buy whatever. Just buy $50 for a few weeks and just every day watch that graph go up and down. Get comfortable with it. And when you're worried about it on the day, look at it at the week, look at it at the month, look at it at the year, and then look at it overall. You can buy it. And if you, if you decide, oh, my God, it's not for me, you can convert it right into cash and send it somewhere but you can maneuver it, in, and you can buy stocks on Cash App too now. You can do the same thing, but it's so simple, and it literally takes seconds to do it. Look at this. I had to take a car payment on for the first time in 15 years. Maybe I can make the pay payment domain plasma. You probably can. You probably can. You probably can. What do you do for work? Can you not just do more work and make the car payment? Just depends on what your time is. All right, we haven't talked about Self-Reliance Festival, and we are almost out of tickets. So what I want to mention is that Self-Reliance Festival is coming June 11th and 12th in Camden, Tennessee, right here where I am, and that's why I'm here. All three of these people will be here? All of us will be here. If you want to meet Jack Spierko in person, a good way to do that is to grab your ticket soon, because once we there is a limit on how many people we can fit on the SOE compound. 
And once we hit that limit, that is what it is. We may not have tickets at the gate. I'm pretty sure we're going to sell out. So that's over at selfreliancefestival.com. If you want to come one day early and learn how to process a pig in a reasonable way for somebody who's doing it on their homestead, rather than if you have a professional butchery, Billy Bond from Permapastors Farm will be here. There are tickets for that. We are also almost sold out of that at selfrelianceFestival.com. I just wanted to mention that today because we're getting close. and The people on the stream are the people who should be at this event. And if you want a picture with Jack but you're super shy, I'm going to have cardboard cutouts yeah, of Jack doing, like, side. different things. So you can just you can just get in there and get the photo not have to be shy. Yeah, Do they I report mean, to the IRS? Of course they report to the yes. IRS. That's why they're asking for your Social Security yes, you number. Pay taxes but on the money you get. Most people, your blood. most people worried about the IRS, that's just a conversation. You're using that as some bullshit to keep you from acting, right? You're talking to a dude that owed the IRS $3 million. Ouch. They didn't come to me. I went to them before they even were looking at me. I wasn't even on their radar at $3 million. I paid $20,000 a month to the IRS every week for five years, and then it came down a little. You don't have IRS problems like you think you do. The, no. what, that's, just, that's just an excuse for inaction. At the most, they'll slap your hand and go, hey, you owe us this. Let me say one more thing too. You people that are worried about being freaking audited that make like 50 grand a year and you do a 1040, forget it. There's no money in the auditing agent's time to audit you. It doesn't work. Your odd, like your statistical odds of being audited are something like 0.02% if you're under 100 grand a year. They, yeah. I'll tell you who they like, John. Companies that are, right? It. Yeah. They want one million to five million. Yeah, it really like the super sweet spot is 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 one to five. Absolutely. Um, Sheila Jackson, the old IRS agent, she quit the IRS and went on as an advocate. That's what she said. She said that's what killed her was small family businesses, thirty forty employees. That was their sweet spot. That's what they were sent after because you get somebody that has like a ten million dollar business. And you're like, we're auditing you. You're like, let me introduce you to my line of accountants and my line of attorneys. They'll talk to you. I'm going to go back to my life. And they don't want that. They want the person that's big enough to have a good bag to grab, but doesn't have the backup. They can't afford to have a staff of freaking attorneys and, and, and accountants. Which is a sad state of affairs right there. Yeah. The way they operate, you would think that the more stuff they steal from you, they get an incentive, right? The more they try to seize from you, it's almost like they get an attaboy. It's like they get the. It's like they, well, they get, get promoted, promoted. John. You, they, they, they do. The they take from you. No, they do. Their entire promotion structure is based on how profitable the auditor is to the government. It's like a reverse sales job. Instead of selling and getting a commission, you get promoted for getting more money in the door. They have a, like a, a their employee review. Like the thing that determines how they move up is literally based on that ratio of I had X amount of cases. My successful uh, audit rate is Y and my total, you know, retained back versus expenses is Z. That is how they that's how they make their their bones. John says I get up, laugh out loud. I get audited because of mileage delivering pharmaceuticals. Thirty five thousand a year. If you're getting audited at a job for thirty five thousand a year, you should do some shit that nobody knows about. And make yeah. 35 grand a year. I question if she's audited. See, people get a letter in the mail that says, we think you owe us this much more money. They just pay it. 
That is not an audit. If you do not have the glove go up your ass and like ask you for every piece of paperwork you have, that's, that's an audit. I've been through two, not in the survival podcast world, but in my old world, we've been through two audits and they are not fun. It's, it's a proctology exam and whatever the thing is, an endoscope at the same time. Yeah, not fun. All right, let's go once around the horn, everybody. Looks like we're slowing down on questions. Let's start with John Willis. John okay. Willis, I do a live. Are we, are we signing off? Is that yeah, what we're yeah, doing? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you like the conversation, I do a live video every night at 9 o'clock on YouTube. Um, you have to go out and actually look for me. I say a lot of things YouTube doesn't like, so they will never tell you that I'm live. But at 9 o'clock, I am typically live. I load five to six pieces of content every day on YouTube, and you guys probably aren't seeing them. It's because it's throttled back. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, Locals, Float, Gitter, and TikTok. And if you guys aren't on TikTok, that is the fastest performing and growing platform that there is right now. It works like everything used to work. So if you want to talk to me, you can find me anywhere. All right. I'm Nicole Sauce from the Living Free in Tennessee podcast. And Hollerose Coffee. If you want some awesome coffee, go to hollerose.com. It's mail order only. And part of why I keep talking about all these events like Self Reliance Festival, Jack's Fall Workshop, My Spring Workshop, Exit Build Land Conference is those of you who are asking, what do I do to transition from this to that? I want something better. I think the best thing you can do is go be around people who have already built something better or who are building something better and make the right kind of friends because those are the people who will help you get past that one day where you wake up and don't feel like getting out of bed that day because you're tired, that you've got that if your business is going to be successful. So think about coming to some of the events that we have in the future, selfrelinefestival.com if you're going to be here in June. And Jack? Real, real quick also. There's proof of every single thing we tell you when you come to one of our events. Everything I tell you I have done or showed you, it's still here. So many times we watch and absorb content and you feel like you know somebody. And then when you show up, it's not at all what you thought it was. I have evidence of every single thing, every piece of advice I will give you. You can come here and see it still in place. Awesome. Jack, you get to close today. All right, so if you want to find more of my stuff, you can go to the survivalpodcast.com or the survivalpodcast.com, depending on how you were taught to pronounce the word the or the. Or you can go to tspc.co and it'll redirect there. Uh, I do five shows a week. I'm on all the platforms, and I completely agree with everything just said here about coming out to real-world events. Uh, I'll be at John Bush's Exit and Build with Nicole Two weeks from now, I guess, is next, next week. Uh, and then I will be with all three of these folks, uh, or all, all two of these folks plus me, uh, at Self Reliance Expo. And man, if you want a in-person ass kicking toward your success, like I can't imagine. And like some, like I feel a little bit for you at the same time from Nicole. Like I can't, I, there might be a disturbance in the force when the three of us actually coexist in the same geography for that long. I, I wouldn't miss it. I'd get one of those tickets that they still have available because that'd be cool. Come on out and, and meet us and just know that if you come up to me or John especially and say, I'm trying to figure out how, you're probably going to get an, a verbal ass <laughs> But it's only because we care. It's only because we want to see you do it. It's only because we want to see you succeed because, to, to, to be blunt, I just hate the system. I hate the system. I hate the government. I hate the institutions. I hate all of them. And I know the only real solution to their shit 
is to play their game better than them, do a better job, get out, and yet be in at the same time. Like John and I and Nicole, none of us are like completely black market people. We're like in their system, in our own system at the same time. We, I, I don't know about you guys. I look at like the taxes I pay and shit. Like that's, that's my door fee to go in their casino. And, and I'll pay that because I want the benefits of that as well, but I want my own shit when their shit fails. And I want their shit to fail and success on our side is how yeah. they look. There is a better life out there for you. And you're never going to know it's there until you just step. It's literally like what you think is a wall is a mirage and you can walk right through it. You just have to be willing to walk through it. Yep. Right on. All right. We will see you guys next time. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way